0: Love a rugby league same-game multi? Then you've got to check out Picklebet same-game multi. Watch your odds and payouts skyrocket when you combine your favourite team's markets like head-to-head, first try scorer, and winning margin. Picklebet, the next-gen betting app and official sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast. What are you
1: really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. All that winners
0: is gold, only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barny back for the weekly Supercoach episode. And we are ahead of the second big buy now. Round 16, big buy round. Absolutely huge. Origin teams have dropped and there is a lot of carnage once again, which just seems to happen every single big buy round. Billy did the first big buy round special for the big buy round special number two. Got Matty Person on board, Tragic Tigers fam, podcast veteran, all-stars regular. Mate, welcome back for the second big buy round.
1: Ah, Good to be here, Barnsley. Always good to jump on a super coach pod after... Scoring a 1,500 and then leading into a bye round. Yeah, it's a good week for
0: you to jump on. i tell you what, it was um,
1: (laughs) massive. If you had to tell me a 1,547, it'd be the 981st score for the round prior to the round. I probably wouldn't have believed you. It's a bloody high-scoring round last week.
0: Yeah, it was a really interesting round, wasn't it? Because there was many, many high scores. I actually I've been on on a pretty good wicket for about a month now where I've been climbing pretty big and I've been really happy with my team and it's been performing really well for a full month. It's been really good. Um and last round when there was some big scores, I actually I completely floundered and ended up at eleven hundred and it just absolutely killed me. Um but it was just it was one of those things where even though there was a lot of big scores, you could have got pretty punished as well if you had the wrong combo of players. Like I think everyone was sort of... um, And we may as well go straight to the good, the bad, the ugly segment when we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. My good perso was I had Damien Cook score 100, but that was my best scorer. I had no one else done. Um, And I only had four others that were in the 90s, but, I mean, I missed out on some of the other big ones. But the bad for me was, oh, I did cop a lot of the other ones, so I had to play Alex Johnston pretty much because, I mean... Well, I could have benched him for some other options, but it, it, it didn't seem right. Uh, he scored the 28, which was low, but wasn't actually my lowest scorer because I had old Sione Katoa at the Sharks there, uh, and I thought that... Um, he, look, I, I was actually really happy with him the week before because he scored 67 or 68 uh, without a try, which was like, oh, this is nice, you know, pretty pretty cheap. Leading to the buy round, that's a good score. And he throws up an eight-point stinker, which really uh, the Sharks stunk completely anyway. Obviously, Captain Hines, instead of going for the Moses, thought about going to uh, Teddy to a, a Gutherson trade for a second trade. And I thought, no, I'll leave it. And that was super ugly because obviously Guston went crazy. And I chatted to you about this because you you had Moses and Gutho and you were deciding which one to captain. And I had a good feeling Gutho was going to go the biggest as well. So I probably would have captained him. But the good, the bad, the ugly for me, it was mostly bad and ugly and uh, a r- real big fall from Grace over the month before. But, mate, you you had great guns. Tell us about the good in your team.
1: Oh, uh, well, it's funny with that conversation we had about Gutho and Moses. I forgot that I actually VC really Buller. <laughs> So I couldn't end up captaining Gutho in the end. I had to just leave it on Moses. So that's probably the bad for me. Oh. <laughs> uh, Considering I had five players score over 100. And I got captaining Moses, but it was still in a bad round. Good, obviously. Garrick, that was outstanding. He's 169. That was just a good old Brookvale carve-up, that one. Uh, Gutho with his 138. Munster, 124. SJ, 119. Harry Grant, I've kept hold of him. He finally delivered after a couple of quiet weeks, 123. So but had uh, a lot of good. Like I said, Captain Moses was probably my bad. And then, um, go the ugly. Ever since the last podcast, I jumped on the super coach one, I jumped on with you, buddy, Tomoko's done nothing. <laughs> it was sort of, he only got 36. Uh, everyone else I had scored over 50, so it wasn't too bad. But, yeah, Tomoko, really disappointed after those couple of good weeks he had. He's just been sitting there. Annoying me. About a month now, really. He's gone pretty Yeah, the last four things. weeks and I'm sort of probably stuck with him until the last bye round now, so I can't wait to get rid of the bum.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you, you touched on a couple of things as well for me where I went badly too because I, you know, to be able to go well the last four weeks, and look, I think this is an important perspective for a lot of super coaches to have. Like, you can compartmentalise a week and go, geez, it's a bad week. Like, I made all these mistakes and whatever, but you've got to look a bit wider than just a week at a time. You know, I wouldn't have had the four weeks that I had if I didn't make some of the changes that made me have a bad week this week. So, for example, I, I partnered Harry Grant over well over a month ago, and that's been great for me. So I can, you know, bitch and moan that I didn't get his 120-plus this week, but at the end of the day, if I kept him for it, I would have actually gone worse over the last five or six weeks and not moved up as much as what yeah, I did. Exactly. So you got to look at it in perspective. Um Looking in perspective, though, one of the other moves that I made that didn't work out like a Harry Grant that I've just got a cop is that, Two weeks ago, I was struggling, or a few weeks ago, I was struggling to figure out who I was going to sell for that last big buy round. And I couldn't get, I had to get a Manly player out or a Newcastle player out because I just couldn't cop the three-team mini big buy round in round 14. I wasn't going to have enough players. So I ended up, as I spoke about on the podcast, deciding, look, I'm going to get rid of Garrick because... Yeah, you know, I think that he might have some lower scores. He's not going to play well the next week. He's you know, obviously going to have origin guys not there in that big buy round, And he had pretty much peaked in price and you know gave me a lot of money. And I thought I could buy him back later if I really needed to. But yeah, all things considered, I don't think it was going to hurt me too much. That's obviously a risk where I didn't get any reward out of it. And it really, really stung me because I'm, one of the big things this round was I missed out on Garrick's 169 points. So that was a massive deal, obviously. And that one didn't come off, but... Point is, per se, you've got to take some of these risks and you've got to assess them properly because there's no point in assessing it one, one round at a time. Harry Grant, you've got to not care about that 120-plus if you didn't own him because, you know, provided you made a good trade with him, it's worked out really yeah, well. But He's punched out a couple of 30s in the last month, has not he? So, back-to-back 36s. It was um, pretty, pretty yeah. crazy.
1: I don't think anyone that sold him a month ago would be, would be um, too disappointed with that 123 that they missed out on. Or oh, sort of the opposite end of the scale, I couldn't get rid of him. That's <laughs> just that other pressing trade. So I just thought bugger, it. I'll just hold him in this him for the season now. It's pointless trying to trade him in and out. So
0: Yeah, Supercoach really is a puzzle, isn't it? Like you're trying to put together the pieces that all fit together for each week. And especially with the buys and everything in between, but also just with the scoring and stuff. It's a real tightrope. And you're putting all these puzzle pieces together hoping that you're going to get the right combination that fits for that week. But you have just one or two off, like I did with Garrick yeah. this week, and it just it can absolutely burn you. Plenty of people sold Garrick last week too,
1: didn't they? And it can't have been moving to centre. I don't think anyone was expecting to, to carve up at centre and pulls out
0: sixty nine. And it has been one of those seasons at times. So, you know, it's been predictable at times, but other times you do get these super coach weeks where, I don't think any, like, people were talking about benching Garrick and some people actually did. People bench Garrick for his 169 because that's how hard it was to see that 169 points coming. Like, obviously, the Dolphins have been solid this year. mainly haven't been very good. There was question marks on Turbo whether he was actually going to play and it, it just, it, the Garrick to centre was the last straw where you just sort of went well, he's probably going to go pretty poorly here and mainly carve up 58-18 to 18 in their best performance of the year. It, yeah, hard to see that coming. At the same time, too, you, you look at the, something like the Sharks game with the Melbourne Storm players, yeah. going, who would have thought, even though Melbourne have a really good record over the Sharks at Amy Park, who would have thought that Melbourne Storm would have gone 54-10 to 10 over the Sharks with that type of flocking? You know, it's pretty hard to predict.
1: Yeah, I was about to say that... Um that Manly result against the Dolphins was probably the most unexpected result we've seen until the Cronulla Storm game. Like it the Storm to win, but I thought it'd be a really tight, close game, that one, not a you know, Storm shellacking. But uh, I suppose that the Dolphins is what we all have thought they'd be at the start of the season, wasn't it, that game against Manly, and that didn't happen. So no one's sort of been expecting them to get a hiding like that.
0: Yeah, and it was one of those rounds too where everything was sort of a bit topsy-turvy, wasn't it? Like, I actually picked Newcastle to win on the weekend, and they only lost by four to the Broncos, which was not the school one that I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. But the other big one, like we talk about the Melbourne score, we talk about the Manly score, the Warriors put on an absolute clinic at GIO Stadium for Jared Croker's 300th game, 36-14, to 14, and they probably could have gone 50-14 to 14 the way it was running. Like, that was another one where you just sort of thought, the Raiders have got a good, good shot here. And I actually said the week before, which obviously is a mistake being Captain Hindsight. If anyone wants to be, that's fine. But SJ, I don't love the trade because it's a big travel to GIO Stadium. Can't see him going 120 plus again. Obviously, he just carved again. But, you know, unexpected. Vintage SJ.
1: Yeah, um, definitely didn't pick the Warriors. So- yeah, well. I thought it'd be a good game too, that one. But they were just way too good for Canberra in the end, I not
0: Big point scoring for them as well. It's, and you you had SJ, didn't you? So, I mean, that helped your 1,500 yeah. plus.
1: Yeah, I've been running SJ and Moses since the, the first ball. I got rid of both Cleary and Hines, which worked out sort of well for me in the end with Hines playing Origin and Cleary getting injured. It was a, a bit of a fluky one, but yeah, so I've been... I've oh got SJB was a fair bit lower in price too, so I'm pretty happy with that. This should be a pretty easy stepping stone back to clearing about around twenty, hopefully, but we'll see what happens down the track. Mm,
0: very nice. Well, let's start to get into the meat of the podcast. We've had the entree. It's time. But before we do, I do need to mention the great sponsor of the All Stars podcast in Picklebet. You would have heard a great ad at the start of the podcast on Picklebet about their same-game multis they've released now. They've got as good a as, good as same-game multi options as just about anyone now, going from no same-game multis a month ago to now having fantastic same-game multis to throw on. So definitely go on to com and have a look because a lot of their odds are better than the bigger bookmakers and you'll get a lot better value and that's what you want if you like to have a punt and a bit of fun gambling. But if you do sign up to an account, make sure you use the affiliate referral code, all stars, all one word. When you sign up, it'll ask you for an affiliate code. If you've got one, your one is all-stars. If you throw that in, they'll know that you're one of our listeners that's come across and they'll take great care of you. But we also have all our great uh, NRL odds on there as well. So certainly each week we've got an NRL special. This week, it's going to be a great one where we're going for the winger special. We're going for three wingers to score this round perso anytime. We're going for Dom Young. We're going for Mike Acebo. We're going for Ronnie Militalo. I reckon that those, those three, they're going across the line.
1: That's a special, that one, surely. Micah always scores at Bankwest. Um, Young will be swapping wings, you'd say, this week, wouldn't he? That marju's used wings. So he'd have to be a special and, then yeah, Militalo on the bounce back for the Sharks. I like it.
0: Yeah, you're, you're going to get great odds for that. Around $5.50 at the moment you'll get for that one. So uh, any time as well. You know, it's great one. We've got that as the All-Star special for the week. So you can grab that one under the NRL specials for round 16. Always think, is this a bet that you really want to place? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. For this podcast, we are going to put all our normal segments into one as a big buyer special. So we're going to go through game by game this time on the big buyer special and look at all the different types of options in each matchup and also the VC and C options for them as well as some traps and things as well and some interesting changes. But before we do, Perso, let's talk about this round 16 bye just generally from a strategy point of view because I think, you know, you'd hope that coaches kind of learn from the last big buy. that the big buy round isn't just that round. It's also the next round where you have three teams off that all played in the big buy, And a lot of people got burnt in round 14 rather than round 13. And one of the big changes this year, I think everyone's forgetting, Team People see that, oh, there's only three teams off the round after, and that's okay, it's manageable. You need 17 players for that round. For the big buy, you only needed 13. So it becomes a lot harder to field in that round. We're seeing the same thing this round. So I think the first thing before we even go through each game, the players per se, so, is that teams have got to be really careful with the amount of Bulldogs, Sharks, and Tigers that they've actually got in their sides because – Particularly the Sharks got a lot of popular options, um, but certainly the Tigers and the Dogs have a few as well themselves. And if you've got too many of those, you're going to be stuffed for the next week. You don't just have to look at those three teams. You also have to look at the fact that it it is an Origin backup week. So, for instance, the Dragons, not that anyone owned Ben Hunt, but just as an example, they're playing on the Friday night. They're the first game. Unlikely that Ben Hunt's probably going to back up for the Dragons, you know, 48 hours later after Origin. Uh, but even the Eels are a really big one. You know, they they aren't on the bye, but they have the second game of that round in round 17 where they're going to play 3 p.m. Cove Sunco- Stadium against the Dolphins. So someone like Moses, that's huge because they really need to win that game per se, but very, very good chance that he's not going to be fit enough to play in that one because of the tight turnaround. So I think... Some there's probably a few different types of coaches we're talking to here. The ones that are completely unprepared for anything passing around in front of them, which is round 16. The ones that are preparing for that round 17 onslaught of those three teams off. And then the ones that understand that it's you know, round 16 prepare for, round 17 mini big buy, and then also have a look at what your team looks like with the origin outs. You know, you've know, you really got to get into the mindset of those uh, number three coaches there, where you're having a look at all that stuff, don't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a little bit, probably a little bit harder to negotiate the last, um, mini buy round, I think, than this one. I, thanks to the dogs and the tigers, there's not a lot of options that people would be carrying, but there could be enough if you had them with a couple of sharks that it could be a little bit of Barney next week. So you do have to be a bit careful of that, particularly if you're carrying guys in positions where, like, not back row or centre, where you haven't got a lot of coverage. You've, like, say, you've got a Burton or something at five, eight and, Munster and Munster doesn't back up, all of a sudden you've got no 5.8. So something you really sort of got to have a bit of a look on probably from um, a bit further out than now. But it's definitely worth a double check through your side when you're going through and looking at your numbers this week. Flip over to next week and have a good look at that. And as you said, go through the players you need to back up and just have a look to make sure you have got pretty comfortably 17 because all of a sudden you'd be chewing up two trades that you don't really want to do next week just to get 17 on the field.
0: Just worked out unfortunate too with some of the early games, hasn't it? Like even um, the Panthers, you know, they've got the, the second game and the Melbourne Manly game is at 7.35pm on a Saturday and you'd hope that those teams would be okay. But, you know, you obviously you've got guys like Turbo there. Oh, yeah, surely he gets the rest of them, you'd think. Unless he, well, yeah, but at all, you
1: see, at this point, we don't know either, do we, Barnsley. It could be one of those really brutal origins, this one. If that's the case, he might get a lot more not backing up this time than, than backed up after the first game because... The first game, I mean, Origin's always hard, but it wasn't. You look at the third game last year compared to the first game this year, and it was like nowhere near as brutal that first game. So, if we get a brutal clash out there at Lang Park, so cool. Then um, a few more guys, might back up.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point, and you do have guys like Munster who's been uh carrying a, l- a few n- little niggles and stuff. I believe his shoulder's been talked about and stuff. So him playing at 7.35 on a-, on a Saturday. Like, you got to have a look at that because, like Perso said, you know, you've got uh, a six combination when none of them might play. You also might have a seven combination too. Like, Moses and Hines is going to be a really popular combination for a lot of teams to yes. have. And it's one of those things where you've really got to think this through and have a look at it because... Moses doesn't play, and you have got Hines. You have to have Hines this week, and we're going to talk about that. You have to have him because he's playing this buy round, and he's a huge option. He's the best player in the buy round. But if you have him, he's off on the buy in round seventeen. Moses doesn't play because it's you know the second game, and he's backing up. Then all of a sudden, you have no seven, and you can think to yourself, well, if that happens, I'm just going to trade Moses. But who are you going to trade him to? Because Nathan Cleary's still out injured, and there's not a lot of options. And then all of a sudden, perso, you find yourself in the worst uh headset for buy planning where you just grab whatever's there. And those are some of the worst errors that you can make. And I've made several of them. I know you have as well because everyone makes them where you go, I've just got to grab someone. And you end up grabbing someone without planning and you end up either stuck with them or you don't have enough trades or you end up burning trades and then wishing that you never did it because you'd do anything by around 2040 to have one or two trades back, wouldn't you? A
1: oh, 100%. And then. <laughs> Factor in no Thursday game this week either. You might be having your Friday afternoon beers and then panicking and doing a half piss trade. (laughs) You can end up with Luke Brooks as number seven. um, Yeah, that's definitely a good point, Moses and Hines. I think that would still be a fairly popular um, combination for a lot of teams. So you'd reckon Moses would be Buckley's to back up on that that Dolphins game. Especially if Arcee and Madison can do a job this week, they might be um, tempted to rest him unless they really can't afford to. But uh, the Eagles are in ninth and on 16 points, so they need every point they can get at the moment. So, yeah, it's one of those. The, the way the ladder is this year, that's, I think that's the double-edged sword for coaches. You'd like to rest these guys, but no one can really afford to, can they?
0: Well, that's the other thing too. And, I mean, that's a good thing for someone like, you know, Tedesco owners, for example. They're playing the last game, and even if they wanted to rest him, they have to win it. So, you know, unfortunately, there's not You'd really... You'd have much- to think he backs up unless he gets hurt, wouldn't you? Yeah, he'd have to. Uh, and that's a good thing with those sort of teams. But, you know, it's gonna be it's going to be hard... And you have to come up with different plans and strategies. You know, for example, a strategy that I've got is that I'm someone who has Moses and Hines. And I basically resign myself to the fact that I'm going to use that either as a free loop or cop an AE. And if I want to cop an AE, you know, what are my AE problems? And at the moment, I've got one AE problem and that's Junior Tino in my front row forward spot. I'm going to get rid of him this week because one, I need to get rid of him at some point because he's going to score 15, 16 points off the bench most of the time. And two, if I do it now to clean up my team, I no longer have an AE problem going forward. But next week when I do have to cop an AE, I know I'll probably cop a 40 or a 50 and that's okay. So that saves me a trade when I don't have a huge amount of trades to burn, especially getting a half back in and then getting them back out to have to try and get up to Cleary again anyway. So those type of things are considerations for you. You know, It isn't just about your trading strategy. It's about your lineup strategy and what you can do in the coming weeks as well.
1: Yeah, that, if you can manage that, Barsley, it's a pretty solid strategy, isn't it, rather than doing a trade. Don't have any AD nightmares, which I do. I've still got Sonny Luke stuck in my side. I've still got bloody Matt Croker stuck in my side. So It's not really an option I'd have, but um, I'm rolling with SJ and Hines at halfback at the moment. So I did have Moses, but i have go yeah, Moses to Hines. It's just no brainer
0: for me this week and quite happy to play SJ next week. Yeah, and we're talking about the spine players here. You know, the other thing too is at the number nine spot. You know, I got, I got absolutely killed because I've, I've got Robson and Cook there and they're both, they're both played yeah. origin. So <laughs> that absolutely sucks. But I mean, the, the, that's by planning one Oh one, isn't it? You think
1: you're rolling along nicely there and then all of a sudden Abby breaks his jaw and all hell breaks less.
0: Yeah. And Robson's an absolute boulder as well. I mean, it's, it's bad, but in saying that if you got grant as well, you know, you're probably cheering, but again, we talked about seven thirty on a Saturday. It's okay, but it's not, it's not the best,
1: you know, Brett hasn't got the best record backing up. Like, he'll back up, but he scores after backing up and Supercatch are pretty ordinary.
0: Gets benched a lot as well, doesn't he? I mean, obviously, they don't have Brent Smith there anymore, but still, you know, they're obviously starting a youngster at nine this week. Uh, there's a good chance that they do that again next week.
1: Yeah, and even when he does seem to play decent minutes, he doesn't um, just doesn't seem to score well for Supercatch backing up after Oregon. Well, you see what, he had 30-odd after game one, so mm. he might be better off with the night. <laughs>
0: Yeah, nine becomes a real nightmare as well. So we've all of a sudden got nine, seven, and six, which are all going to be really hard. And there's going to be teams that may not field any nine, seven, or six. And you're just going to be in all types of trouble because I will throw out a scenario there, Perso, with nine. Uh, Grant doesn't play. And then South Sydney are a team that if Cook's healthy, they could just rest him anyway because they're coming right at the top of the ladder, playing at home at a core, um, they've also got Havili back on the bench, by the way, which is a nice little handy uh sub-in at nine at times for him. And you know, North Queensland, even, you know, Robson's first origin. That I would love to see a start. I'm just going to pull one out of my ass and make it up here. But I reckon that there's about an 80% chance most of the time that someone who debuts in their origin game and plays a few days later ends up not playing for their club. Because it's just it's such a big deal to debut in an origin game in the forward pack, isn't it? Because you're making all those tackles and hits in the middle of the field, and for a smaller guy like Robson, you know, a lot of the time it just ends up just being too hard for him after their debut. So you could easily end up with Cook, Grant, and Robson all out this round after the big buy. That's a scenario, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. We all talked at the start of the year about prop in the Baron Wasteland. It's turned out to be hooker this year, hasn't it? It really is a horrid position for Supercoach. There's not a lot of options, so... I'd say there'll be quite a few teams that might end up with no hooker next week.
0: Yeah. So, just a few different things to think about when you're doing your trades this week. Uh, I'm going to throw one last strategy out there, per se, before we get into the first game. I think that you can set yourself up for the following weeks in these big buy rounds sometimes. And certainly, this big yep. buy round, there's high ownership players that are playing. So, it's a bit easier to have decent numbers. One of the things that I mentioned before as a strategy to set myself up, is to clean out my team now. Uh, I cleaned out Isaac Luke. Uh, Isaac Luke. Yeah, there's a blast from the past. <laughs> cleaned up Sonny Luke, the last big buy ran to get him out because I didn't want that AE problem. And the only other one is Isaac. Um, so, you know, Junior Tino, he's gone for me this week, partly because I'm planning ahead by cleaning out my team. You know, that's one strategy. The riskier strategy is well about not making trades necessarily just for this round is saying, uh, I know I'm going to be short next week, but I don't have any boosts left, and so I know I'm only going to have two trades and I could have some other fires to put out. If I'm not using my three trades this week, so I'm only using one or even two, do I use an extra one to buy someone who's not playing this week to not just clean up my team, but to have an extra runner next week? That's always a bit risky if they're an origin player, but certainly if you've got anyone in mind that's not an origin player, then it becomes a little bit less risky to just say, look... I reckon that they're not going to hurt themselves at training, and I'm going to need them. So there's a couple of different ways that you can uh, skin the cat there as well.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point, Bazzy. It is a it's this round has sort of been a bit easier to get a 13 because you only need 13 players. So just the way that it's fallen with the schedule and the teams that are playing and the teams that aren't playing. So I think it, it was definitely a lot easier to get a solid 13 for this round. So definitely looking forward to next week. You can. Um,
0: make a few tries that way. And I mean, the other thing too that you can do is just bank, right? Like get some bank in there. Like last week, I sort of foresaw having good numbers, but also using the opportunity to get rid of some, some dead weight. And I banked about half a million dollars for this round. And if you didn't, then maybe consider doing it this round for next week. You don't have to spend that money and you might really need it next week. So (laughs) have a look at that for sure as well. Let's get in the games perso. Cow's Panthers. Look, there's not as many as what you'd hope as far as options in this one. Uh, We're going to start off with the cows here, though. Guns. I think that the number one gun for them is easily Scott Drinkwater. Uh, He's someone who I've had for a little while now from the first big buy, and I've been pretty happy with him. He's averaging over 70 points a game for the season. And unfortunately, though, that puts him at just under 800K. He's 796,000 to purchase. He's only 2.9% of teams. So I mentioned how the Ruben Garrick player really didn't work out for me. Um, Having said that, you know, this is one that did, at least. Drink water. And under 3% ownership, the last three weeks has gone 104, 117, and 95. Bearing in mind that two of those games are against the Melbourne Storm and the Parramatta Eels. That was his two tons in that three-round average. In those three rounds, he has gone phenomenal, but even before that Perso, he was going pretty good. Massive three-round average of 105 points. But his five-round average is 89. And realistically, you know, he hasn't scored too badly this year. He's got his one-point score when he got injured and also played terribly and got sent off in round two. But if you take that out in round two, he's only gone below 54 points twice, and those were 44 and 49 so all these people talk about how Drinkwater has got this really low floor. He actually doesn't. He's actually gone quite well. He does rely on his attacking stats, but he's been killing it. He has over the last three weeks in that run where he's averaged 105 points. I think he's got eight or nine This It's just very ridiculous, but it's the sort of stuff that he can do. And we all know that Townsend especially isn't going to really lead them around the park or get them attacked. Certainly, uh, Dearden has been under on that as well. It's all on Drinkwater. And this week versus Penrith. They do have the benefit of playing at home at Cuba Stadium in Townsville. So that's good for the Cows. It's good for Drinkwater. I'm an owner that's excited. The problem is he's obviously fullback only. So do you think that he's an option at the moment? Because he does play around 17. It is against Souths. And then he does play around 18 versus the Tigers back in Townsville before he has 19 off. I did, probably don't think it's worth the cover now. I do think he was a good buy you know, months ago. But... How do you feel about him? Because at the moment, looking at the fullback-only options, he is one of the premium ones in this buy round. Yeah, definitely.
1: He's snuck under the radar, that's for sure. Um, if you're well, lucky enough to jump on him when you did Marzi before that first buy round, that was a that's a pretty stellar move. That price tag's just a bit hefty now. Um, he's the 11th highest-averaging player available this round. Uh, the pod situation, he was obviously a massive pod so, and doesn't have a uh, draw this week. but. The, The um, Panthers, when they've proven when they got players out, they still defend well. So, yeah, I couldn't bring him in this week. He's actually the sixth highest averaging fullback available this week. So, if you didn't already own him, I I couldn't bring him in. Um, I got Buller and Gutto there with me this week. But uh, if you're looking for a pod, like say if you've got a a fullback, you're sort of looking to shuffle on. The he's not a bad play. He's definitely been on fire, scoring really well. So, but it's just that price tag, pal. I think it's. Money could be spent a little bit better elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and it's probably trade volume too. Like if you've got heaps of trades and you've got mm, the cash, yeah. uh, you could do a lot worse than getting a short term Scott Drinkwater rental in. You know, I mean, look, at the end of the day his break-even's forty, so he's not actually going to bleed cash either. You you're probably not gonna make a lot, but you know, you could make fifty, sixty grand over the next few weeks and then on selling for around nineteen. It's it's certainly an option that I would urge specific coaches to consider, and that is coaches who are Chasing hard, looking for a pod that's got high upside, 2.9% ownership, three-round average of over 105 points. He's got that. Season average of 70-plus. Plays the first game as a VC option as well. And I do think that he's a strong VC option at home versus the Panthers because even when the cows got smashed by your Tigers, 66-16 to per se, Scott Drinkwater had a try assist, all three of the 16 points that they scored. So, I mean, he's still been putting up those numbers. So I... I do kind of like it as a VC option this week. Obviously, there's a few others that we'll talk about, but he's in the running. So certainly if you're chasing, uh, if you've got the money and the trades up your sleeve, he's going to be a bit of a luxury one. We do have a nice trap one to talk about on the cows, though, Perso. The old horse, Tomololo. (laughs) He's... He's about three steps away from the glue factory, but he is still here. He's still racing. He's come back this week.
1: I'll be lying if I didn't say there was a part of me that didn't, didn't think about it when I saw him name there. I said, like, Ooh, there's that little twitch. <laughs> <laughs> quickly slapped myself out of it, but um, yeah.
0: Very trappish because he's got that name value, he doesn't he? And he's got that nostalgia, all those good memories of, oh, Tom Alola on a buy round. I remember this time that I captained him. He scored 98 with a try. It was. 75 years ago, it's it's 2023. You got to remember this, okay? You'll see the tri- price tag of 491,000. <laughs> You'll see the name of Jason Malolo You'll see an understrength Panthers playing in Townsville, and you go, "Geez, oh, this looks all right." He's scoring 46 for the year in 53 minutes, and those minutes are only two minutes below what he was doing before in 2022. And he was scoring a full 12 points better. That's how much he's regressed, and how much his work rate has regressed. He's basically got no base attack anymore perso and he's not scoring tries. So it's a, uh, it's a real trappish one. And I do see some uh, newer coaches falling into the name value stakes. So they just got to stay away from that. Don't they?
1: It's the um, old racing terminology one, isn't it? I prefer others take on trust. <laughs> if you're looking up a form guide for a race that um, yeah, you couldn't go near him. But just the fact is he's under Payton, He just hasn't um, been as boosty as he used to be. And he's minutes dropped a little bit, but not hurts, but enough to um he sort of dropped out of relevance. Uh, having said that, I think he was playing busted for a bit there before he went out for that extended time off, but you surely you couldn't see him coming back and punching out sixty minutes when he's been off for so long. That's a massive trap, I think.
0: Yeah, and even if he plays, you know, fifty odd minutes, um look I think the best you can hope for, and this is the thing with Tomalola and what kills him dead and makes him a bit of a trap, is that he's gonna lose money with the ninety B E number one. And he's also going to be someone that, if he goes well, he's going to bust out some solid 50s. He's just got no upside. So it's one of those ones that's just a wasted trade in one of these rounds.
1: Yeah, it's like if you've got a sh- heap of trades, and you know you can do it, but I certainly haven't got two trades to waste on Tom O'Leary at this stage of the season. The-,
0: the Panthers obviously have a big gun in Dylan Edwards, and he's going head-to-head with Drinkwater in this one. Edwards has gotten a little bit more popular as the fullbacks have fallen down perso, So he's certainly become much more of an option. He went 69 points against the Roosters last round. Uh, that included a try, so it was solid, but certainly not one of his best outings. But for the season, he's averaging 74 points a game. So close to four points better than what someone like Drinkwater is averaging, uh, and he is actually cheaper by $100,000 at $697,000. Does have a big break even, uh, but he does play around 17, which is important. So after travelling to the Cowboys, he plays against Newcastle, and that's going to be at Penrith, which is good for them. He's gone solid, uh, five-round average is 74. The last few games have been a bit down a bit, but he's still gone 80, 39, and 69. He seemed to be getting bigger scores uh, earlier in the season. He's in a bit of a funk at the moment, potentially. And you have to sort of ask a question going into this. You know, it's a decent travel up to Townsville for them. Is he in this funk because, you know, it's coincided with Nathan Cleary and being not there and also Luai for the Origin games as well? Is it coinciding with a weaker Panthers side and him not really performing as well in that system? I actually think that it might be. Uh, and I just think that there's better options. I would pay 100 grand more for a drink water at the moment just for a few weeks if I had that luxury. Or I would just go cheaper with some of the other options that we're going to talk about. But at 74 point average, Dylan Edwards is one of the premium guns for the round.
1: Yeah, he's just snuck along all season hasn't he? Man, he's had that one massive 163 in round 6 and Backed it up around 10 with a 122. Everything else sort of just between sort of 50 and sort of 80. just floats solid every week without being destructive. But yeah, he snuck along, but as you said, nearly over 74. I couldn't go. I think there's other better options for self. I've, like I said earlier, I'm running Buller and Gutho. I think that's the combination through the buy period for me. I'm not wasting any more trades there until I reassess which guns to get in at the end that are holding together, whether it be Latrell and Turbo or. Walsh, or you know, we'll make that assessment later on down the track. Maybe it might keep a buller and just go one of those or make that adjustment later on. But it's um, interesting this weekend, there's 12 players averaging over 70 that are available, and six of those are fullbacks or available at fullback, including Gary, a playing fullback, but he's still available at fullback.
0: So you gotta really make the right choice, don't you? And, and mm. I just I don't think Edwards is it I don't I don't think it's a game nah. for him either. I know the cows have led in some points and stuff, but you know, Penrith isn't strong either. Like if Penrith are gonna win something like this, you, you just sort of think it's gonna be that sort of twenty two twenties type of score and Edwards has a chance of not getting a piece of that.
1: Yeah, and I although mean, what's clear he's not due back to at least around twenty, is you said so, I mean I think they'll just keep plodding along with the defensive sort of game plan and win games in the back of defence. I can't see him pulling sides apart too much over the next month.
0: Let's get exciting. Let's talk about Uberpods. There is one for the Penrith Panthers in this one. I can tell you, out of the players that Penrith have named, he's actually the fourth best average, just a shade under 59 points a game, and that includes injury-affected games, and he is 0.9% owned, $555,000. Isaac Tango came back last week with a solid 49. He has a break even at 77, so you could say he's pretty much bottomed down. There was a lot of astute coaches coming into this year that actually really liked Tango, and, and a few actually started with him. I think that um one of the playbook guys, it might have been, been Timmy Williams, I can't remember, one of them.
1: Yeah, it was the, guru, the guru started with him, on think, yep. and then um, Timmy talked him out of it after two rounds, and then he went berserk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, he, he's, got, he's got the ability. I just didn't like the consistency and the points that were there um, to start with him. But if you're looking for a pod and an absolute hand grenade at under 1%, he does have the matchup and the ability. You know, he played against the Raiders in round five and threw up 142 points. That is massive. He followed it up with a 76-point game there. That's his two best scores. Obviously, he's been out a lot of the season. So you are kind of doing it on faith a little bit. He's only played nine games. It's a season punctuated by uh, injuries and already having a couple of buys as well. So he hasn't played as many as other players, but he's got a thirty-five raw base still, uh, and he's also got you know, twelve in base attack. So you're looking at a forty-seven type of floor, and he can you know s- score you that mid to mid forties to mid fifties as a kind of range if he has a poorish game. But he obviously, if he scores a try or two, like he did in round five for his 142, then all of a sudden you've got a bit of a chance. And he does have Newcastle at home next week, which is a decent matchup for him as well. So as far as, you know, hand grenade pods per so, uber pods that are under 1%. Isaac Tango probably won't be looked at by many players because he's super luxury, but 557,000 you could do worse than plug him in because what I'll also say to finish up on him, if you're looking longer term playing Melbourne away in 18 is a terrible game, but round 20, he plays the dolphins uh, and then they've got three home games in a row. And the first one is the Bulldogs there at home, which in round 21, you know, he, he could run rampant. Uh, The sharks at home. Isn't as good after that, but he's one of those guys that if you ended up stuck with him as your sort of six center wing to rotate in and out, you could also cop that as well. So, as far as pods go, I think he's the best one in this one. Whether he actually fires or not, you know, it's pretty risky.
1: Definitely the risk and reward, isn't it? He was um, pretty consistent last year, holding on to a 60-odd average for most of the season. He's only had two scores over 57 this year. But as you said, the base just gets him to that sort of 40s and 50s every week. It is a sneaky little draw for the Panthers. It's not the it's you know, Cowboys, Knights, then they got Melbourne, but Dolphins, Bulldogs, before they go into the Sharks, it's not a um not the worst month of football coming up for them. And uh, the Cowboys, if you're looking just at bank for this week, you've got spare trades and you want to bring in a guy that's not going to score you a four and could potentially score you a hundred. He's not a bad look, probably a point too far for me because of the trade situation. But um, Cowboys' leaky defence on the right edge has been pretty leaky all year and there's no homes there this week either. So it could be opportunity for Tungo.
0: Yeah, and one of the other things in someone like Isaac Tundake staying in your side, is that the Panthers draw aside from the teams that they're playing. Five out of their last seven games are all at Penrith Stadium. It is absolutely huge for them not to be travelling in that last seven weeks, hardly at all.
1: You sort of wouldn't be wasting two trades on him, would you? You'd be getting him in as that fifth or sixth centre wing that's going to plug a problem for you when you get late injuries and you're out of trade. So definitely worth of thought, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think he's worth more thought than what I would have given him credit for a few weeks ago, um, having a look at this round and and how this season might shape up and finish off. A bit of a trap for Penrith. And it's hard to say that because he's been so good under the radar, good for a little while. And then all of a sudden everyone noticed because Scotty Sorensen threw up a 175 point game to put him in the top few players of the season as far as high scores. Uh, It might even be the highest score, actually. I can't recall. I think it is. I think that's the highest score. 176, yeah. I think think he's got it at the minute. He's been killing it. He also scored 100 against the Roosters on the weekend with no try, 48 in real base. And he's averaging 43 in real base in 60 minutes a game. And obviously, when you look at his... 80-minute performances, that goes up a huge amount. And they actually played 59 minutes against the Roosters on the weekend. uh, The three games before that at 80. But I think a lot of people are going to look at some of these recent scores and go, wow, you know, the last couple of months he's been killing it. And in the last four rounds, two of his scores are over 100, including his 175. He will look appealing, and then you'll look at the score and go, uh, look at the price tag and go 744000 That's expensive. Don't be tempted, even if you've got the money, because obviously... The Panthers have players to come back. Um, one of the biggest things is Liam Martin just has, hasn't barely been back at all for Penrith. He's been in and out all year. He's played a couple of games off the bench and then be back in Origin. Once Origin finishes, obviously, Per, so Liam Martin will start, and that all of a sudden becomes a problem for Scott Sorensen, especially when he's so versatile to play in the middle off the bench as well. Uh, at that price tag, you just can't go near him, but he could trap a few coaches because. Maybe he does give you a good score this week, but at that price and the fact that he's not going to make any money, it's just not going to be worth it. Um or do you think it is a hand grenade if you've got heaps of trades and heaps of money where you could afford to do it?
1: Uh, at the price tag, it's just too ugly, isn't it? If he was a hundred hundred and forty K cheaper, then you'd probably be all over him. But um I did have a little look at him. I took out his hundred and seventy six and I took out his twenty nine, which was his lowest score and over the other 10 games, he's still averaging 62. So he's punching out some numbers, but, um, yeah, I mean, even Zoe, you played on an edge sort of a bit last week too, where they had a few, like they've had a few out. Lindsay Smith started and it's once they're all, all hands back on deck, surely he's just back to playing. He's playing really good footy. Don't get me wrong, but he'd be, he won't be playing 80 minutes every week. That's for sure. It'd be more like what he got on the weekend, I think. Swinging between the edge and the middle. That's the thing. When Martin's sort of back, he, I don't think he'll spend all his time on the edge. He'll go back to that dominant role he had last year where he played a lot in the middle and he was so good for Penrith coming off the bench doing that last year. He was integral to their side. So, that yeah, 744k, you, just, you couldn't go near him, could you, at that price? It's just too much.
0: Way too much. Uh, look, Picklebet, you can get the Cowboys at $2.25, uh, considering they're only missing their nine out of their spine. I actually really like the value in that one at home, especially when the nine that they're going to have replacing, you know, they've got Granville there anyway. Uh, love that one on picklebit Knights and Roosters is the next one, Perso. And uh, I'm not feeling good as a Roosters supporter. <laughs> I've uh, uh, Yeah, I've tipped the Knights <laughs> too. I mean, the, with no Teddy there and with the other guys that are injured and stuff still, it just it doesn't look good for the Roosters at the moment, but... Well, having a look at the Knights, first of all, they do have a couple of guns that absolutely stand out. One of them is a guy that I brought in last week that I was, uh, look, 50-50 on, and then as the round drew closer and as we got into the round, I actually just thought, no, I'm going to bite the bullet and go for the upside of Kalen Ponga. And I got him in, you know, 580,000 and thought, yeah, that's that's not too bad a price tag. He's a dual 5 5'8 fullback as well, which is quite handy. He scored 92 against the Broncos and included a try. And it needs to be said that he's now scored a try in three out of his last four games. And he's been pretty solid with a three-round average of 73 and a five-round average of 70. He looks a lot better at fullback, and he looks like that he could go on with things and have a good second half of the season. The fact that he's not playing Origin is a bonus. He's got a break even in the 20s as well. So... He's certainly a guy that you can ride from round 16 against the Roosters at home at McDonald Jones Stadium and round 17 against the Penrith Panthers, which is a way, but you don't know how many Penrith Panthers are actually going to back up. That's another key thing with that matchup. And then round 18, he's got the Dogs, which is a great matchup for him. So all of a sudden, Kalen Pong is coming into calculations, but when you're having a look at it from the super coach love he's getting, he's really not jumping up the charts as much as Kalen Ponga circa three years ago would have. Getting some love at 14.9% of teams, but he's not getting a huge amount of trainings this week in a buy round. He's one of those guys, per se, that we know has the upside and he is playing at home against the Rooster side that just is letting in too many points. It doesn't look great this week either on paper. So I actually really like Kalen Ponga this week. I bought him last week in anticipation of having him this week. I like him a lot better at five eight. You know, you mentioned... At the start of the podcast, teams might be in trouble for five eights in round seventeen. If you've got Caitlin Ponger there, you won't be. So a Dylan Brown to say a Kaelin Ponger, you know, that seems to work perfectly for the short term. And it can even work perfectly for the longer term, can't it? Like again, he could be someone that if you're stuck with him, you could end up getting lucky and he's actually someone you'd love to have stuck in your team as your second five eight, provided he obviously doesn't get a head knocked that is
1: Yeah. Um I actually quite like Ponga. I couldn't get near him at fullback, uh Pacific like Actually, playing fullback now, obviously, enhances, but I mean, in your supercoach side, fullback, couldn't go near him, too many better options. Um, 5-8, though, on the other hand, is pretty thin, especially with the Dylan Brown saga likely to drag on longer than shorter. There really isn't a lot of gun options there, and um, since Pong has moved back to fullback, he looks a lot better, doesn't he? Especially with supercoach, he's got his average up to 60 now, and over that last, Month since the last head knock, he's gone 114, 50, 77, and 92. So I went at 5-8. That's more than handy. And he's still only 600K. It's just over 600K, like 603K. So I think he's a good option this week.
0: And those scores that you mentioned, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, I like Drinkwater as a, a VC for this game, for the Knights, I, Pong is my VC pick. And he... Ha- we know Pong has got a massive one in him at times, not he? Yeah, he does. I mean, he's he's got a max score of 172, but he's got several scores over 150 over the years. So, I mean, you know, people will look at it and go, the Roosters, but look, I can tell you as a Roosters fan, I'm not too confident. And even if the Roosters win, the Knights are going to put on points. They'll they'll put the points on.
1: Chook's, um, Chook's defence has been a bit unchook like this year, and not it? Yep. A few key player's missing. Um, I could see the Knights putting on a bit of a number this
0: week. That's right. It's, it's going to be pressure on the Roosters' attack to actually start to score some tries, which they haven't been able to do.
1: And even if, if the Knights lose that game, I can see it being like a 28-26 type high-scoring game. But sort of just the way the Roosters have been rolling along this year. So, and the Knights have been very gritty. I think it'll be a good game. And yeah, I can see Ponga won't surprise me at all if you see three figures next to Ponga's name at the end of that match.
0: Yeah, and like two out of his last four scores you'd loop in this buy round, like a 92 or 114, you'd take it.
1: Yep, and at 5-8, you'd be happy to carry him for the season pretty much, You're running low on trades as your second
0: 5-8. Yeah, one of the nice things with the Knights, you know, they do have some tougher games from round 20 onwards after that round 19 bye, but they do also have um, a, a sprinkle of some really good runs. So, you know, it, they play the Tigers in round 20, and then all of a sudden it's Melbourne, that's tough, and then, you know, Raiders could be tough, but then they have the Dolphins and and the Bulldogs who, you know, if they keep going how they're going, they're going to be easier matchups and Souths and the Sharks is tough. But, you know, the last round of the season, they've got a carve-up job against the Dragons happening Mm. possibly. And you sort of look at that drawing, you go, geez, there's a lot of games here. I'd really like a Caitlin Ponger for if he's healthy. And at the moment, he is. So short-term and long-term, you know, he could be a solution, but definitely short-term, I really like him this week.
1: Out of the last nine games of the season, the Knights play the bottom three teams four times. So there could be some big scores in between.
0: That's, that's so juicy, isn't it?
1: Yeah. he just, The more I look at Bomber, he looks better and better.
0: <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I might make a sneaky trade this week that I didn't want to make. Well, I mean, Dane Gagai is the other gun for yeah. the Newcastle Knights at 625,000. And Gag- Gagai's averaging over 70 for the season. 70.3 points, and he's in 1.1% of teams. Very rarely perso, Do you get someone that remains an Uber pod whilst they carve up for half a year? And that's exactly what's happened with Dane Gagler. 625,000 yeah. is actually one of his cheaper points, right? He's been well over out, out of reach at the 700s and even close to 800,000 before um, in this season, but he's gone back down to his lowest price, price point since round four. So if if you're going to talk about perfectly timed, it's timed completely perfectly for around round 16 by a run with Dane Gagai because he's got some matchups. ups um, Like you said, you can leave some of these nights just in your side. But he's been a remarkably consistent this year. 40 base, 40 raw base is phenomenal, let alone adding in his base attack, which brings him up to a 59 floor. He has gone 60 plus, 67% of the time. And he's only got one tonne so far, but we've seen with him before that he can have some real big tons. He's only scored two tries all year, 12 games, two tries, and he's averaging over 70 points. Like, he strings together some games with some tries, which you know is, and it's just on. So he he looks like a guy that will remain super low-owned, that could be a centre-wing keeper and an absolute tear-away this by-round.
1: Yeah, I sort of looked at him a bit earlier in the season, and then you think, oh, he was going to play Origin for sure, because if, NRL-wise, his form's probably better than it's been. The last couple of years, he has been playing Origin, and then doesn't make the Origin side, and the price tag was too high. But you know, six twenty-five k now, he's twelve k cheaper than Mortalo He's um, and just he's just been sneaking along, doing the job all season without anyone really noticing. You're looking for a, a centre wing pod might be a difference in a head to head, or creep you up the ranks a bit. You can do a lot worse than Dane go that's for sure. Especially as what we just touched on that the sort of the mixed draw on the way home too. You definitely can have him, and you could sit him against Panthers and then him when he's got those, the bottom three sides when they play four times. They play the Dogs twice, the Tigers and the Dragons in the last round. So he'd definitely he'd be a real handy pod running low on trades in the last round against the Dragons. You'd see the Dragons completely capitulate in there, especially if the Knights are still in the hunt for the top eight at that stage.
0: Yep. And I'm going to go as far to say I'm going to make a real big call here. I reckon that he is the best center wing pod of the round for this buy and he's going to be really helpful next round as well. So. At his price point, it's not even that unaffordable. So I definitely would have a look at him. Uh, When we have a look at the pods, though, obviously Gagai is one, but there is another guy that no one's going to look at as well. That's the young fellow that is going to the Roosters next year but playing for the Knights this round. Dom Young. He came through with 111 points last round. I really loved him in that matchup that he had last week, and he scored two tries. Perso, he has now scored five tries in his last four games, but it's even more than that. He's only got four rounds where he hasn't scored and he's right up there with the top try scorers of the year. He's averaging 62 points a game. His base is the issue. He's only got a 21 raw base, uh, decent base attack at 22 though. But at the moment, he's got a negative break even and he's 564,000. And he's gone 11, uh, 111 and 79 in his last two matchups, playing at home versus the Roosters. And like you said, there's no Greg Margeau, which is a big blow, but it could see Dom Young on that side. And then he could be you know, well and truly eating over there. So a double this week, he could easily score another ton. And at 564000 negative break-even. He ticks a lot of buy round purchase options, doesn't he? He's going to make some money. He's got a decent enough draw. He's going to give you cover for these two rounds, not just the buy round. And along with that, he's only 564000 which is pretty cheap. You know, obviously, an Uber pod. I like it, Bargy.
1: If you're in that situation, you're looking for your, your pod, I like it. Sure, I, I think he definitely goes back to the left edge this week with Marju out, and Tawala will play right. Because Tawala normally is right when he's in the side. Um, Luke Garrity might be able to confirm that. We're all-stars. Scores, but... Um, yeah. yeah, so he's been scoring a gaggle of tries outside Gago on the right edge, but uh, Ponga back at fullback. That left edge looks like it's getting the favoured side again. There's a lot to like about Young. As you see, he's fits into that same mould as Gago. Doesn't he? You might not play him against Penrith next week, but then you'll definitely play him against the Dogs and the Tigers this following two weeks. So.
0: Playing against a club he's going to as well, you always know that they've got a point to prove, don't you? you know? like playing at home versus the club that he's going to go to, it, you, you can just see him.
1: Yeah, I don't mind the move at all, you?
0: No, he's. I mean, I mean, he did that uh, back in, what, round five against Mealy, 148 points. So, I mean, people need to be prepared that he's got low scores in him. The first game of the year playing the Warriors, he scored nine points in 80 minutes. He's got the low ones, but he's one of those ones where, you know, it's low floor, high ceiling.
1: Wouldn't surprise you if he bags four this week, would it? That's where you sit him and play him, don't you? Like, that, he's, a, he's your ideal fifth or sixth centre wing for that run home. Well, you look at the sides where he scored late, that nine against New Zealand, much improved Warriors' side. Then 89 against the Tigers. The Dolphins were flying at that sort of the time of the season, They scored 25. Manly were ordinary, and he got 148. Backed up the Warriors at 59. Then the Panthers, you'd never play him against the Panthers. You got 26, 52, the Cowboys, 63, Power 63, Gold Coast. Then they played the Sharks, where you'd sit him. He got 18. Played Manly again, who were leaky in defence, even when they win, 79. Broncos, that was probably a surprise getting 111 against the Bronx,
0: but there's a lot of
1: merit in having him sneak into that side, isn't there?
0: There is. Uh, and you know, the Knights, no one owns him. So Dom Young and Gagai, unowned virtually, and could be two of the best center wings.
1: It's almost unheard of, isn't it, when you get two. Um... Players on the one edge in one team that are averaging 70 and 62
0: respectively. And yeah, no one normally by now more people kind of jump on. I, I understand more with Dom Young why they haven't. Cause, you know, yeah, because he's hit and miss. But... It's sort of Sevo-like, isn't it? Like, you know, he, he, he scores all the time. But even when he scores, he can get, you know, the 60s and the 50s. But the point is, the same with Sevo, that he does score all the time and that's just going to continue. So, yeah, something to consider. We need to talk about the Roosters, but it's not going to be a very uh, long conversation, that's for sure. Joey Manu, (laughs) he is the gun and the one to talk about in this one. So he has moved back to fullback. He has been very disappointing. So it's now slightly polarizing on what you do. As a Roosters fan person, I sort of said to myself, I really don't want to trade in Roosters because we can't attack. And I don't know if that's going to change. Joey Manu, the last three games that he's played, has gone 51, 41, and 33. Now, glass half full, people might say, oh, look, you know, the last couple of games, 51 and 41, that's pretty good, especially considering the flogging at the Penrith, blah, blah, blah. It is, but he's just not reaching the heights that he should. 55 points a game, you've got to go back to 2019 before he's gone that badly. And you've got to remember he's playing in a position now for a couple of months that's meant to be the position that he scores better at. You know, its it's not very good reading. If you own Joey Manu, Perso, though, I think you've got a cause to be excited with him going back to fullback for this one. If you don't own him, you know, he's actually cheaper than someone like Dom Young. But I would almost be more scared to get Manu in at the moment. Which sounds crazy because we know at fullback, he's averaged over 100 points a game when he's filled in at fullback before this year. But it just seems like a different year and a different Joey Manu, doesn't it? So do you think this is going to really revitalise him this week at, at fullback? Or do you think that we're actually going to be disappointed again?
1: I think to a degree to revitalise him purely for his running game, he'll get more base stats. He'll probably have thirty runs in the game. And, but I like I said, I'm pretty heavy on the Knights this week. I think that they might um, pull the pants down on the chooks. So I mean, I can see a manu getting sixty to eighty at a fullback this week, which is not going to hurt you if you don't own him, and it'll be solid if you do own him. But I think a lot of people are going to waste a VC on Manu this week.
0: Yeah, I, I don't mind the VC on him, but it's it's highly risky because there's a better than even money chance that he's going to get a, a low score. And by low, I mean like 60. He
1: can go massive. But when you look at Marnie, he's never really been super coach relevant until last year and he had pulled that massive year out. And then this year, he's sort of gone back to usual Marnie.
0: Yeah, it's always been when he's at fullback. That's always the spot. It's just, He had one game at fullback for 80 minutes this year, though, and he only scored 49, albeit away against the Storm. So maybe you can cut him some slack for that. But one thing that I will say in Manu's favour to finish on him is the Roosters are going to start Sandon Smith at seven. I do rate him. I don't think he's ready for first grade, but he is someone that can be a proper half. And with him and Kiri If they can both run the team around and run some better structures, I think it will help the team's attack overall. And I think that they are really searching for ways to find attack and to try and score more points. And this is the first step in doing that. If Sam Walker was healthy, he'd be starting seven right now because they know that they need that type of structure. It's just an opportune time with Teddy that he's out and Manu gets to go back to one. I will say that that's probably going to help them this week, I think. But at the same time, what it might do if you're going to buy Manu is put him back to centre next week. And if that happens, then his value just dissipates so badly. So I couldn't buy him for this round. I just think that it's shown too much risk for so many different reasons. But if you own him, I think there's cause to be excited, at least for this week.
1: Yeah, oh, you'd definitely be looking forward to watching him in the number one this week if you own him. I picked him up when he moved to five eight, and then I got rid of him when he... Um... Missed around 12 and 13. So I couldn't bring him back in for the exact points that you brought up. But you'd uh, definitely enjoy watching him this week. It's sort of the, the stifled attack, it's been clunky all season for the Chooks. Just it's just unchook like, really. It's just been sort of throw the ball to Teddy and it's sort of been doing a bit off the back of it of late. And I think the same thing will happen throw the ball to Mano this week and see if he can do something. With and then Smith and Gary just try and. Get the guys around the park and hope something happens. But yeah, it be interesting to see how he goes at fullback this week. The thing about not bringing him in now is he's not going to play a lot more games at fullback unless Teddy gets injured by the Chooks drawers.
0: Yeah, and we said we expect that Teddy will probably back up next week too because they've got the last yeah, game of
1: the yeah, round. So it. yeah, it's... They don't play round 19, so it's not like you're going to get two games out of him over four weeks at fullback. So if you own him, sit back, relax, have a beer, enjoy it. If you don't own him,
0: don't get him. Yep. And look at you know, we'll probably look stupid and he throws 165 points. But as an <laughs> yeah, owner, I'll be, I'll be fine, I'll be happy sure. to be stupid. Just <laughs> give me 165 points, that's fine. Uh, pods the third guy that's going to be like one percent ownership that you can look at for this just this match. This is the emu's time to shine, per se. Daniel Tupo, by around special all the time. He only came back... Everyone knows how much we both love Uh, the Chooks. You can't have him for like a year or anything or keep him for an extended period a lot of the time now, especially with the the Chooks' try scoring. But you've got to remember, like it's very under the radar. Playing at Penrith last week, his first game back after like close to two months off. He's come back into that side on the wing, got absolutely flogged on the scoreboard and put up 37 in a real base. Well, I was actually quietly impressed that he got a 39-point score last week. I thought that was really promising considering the game and the the first game back and everything for him. And he's now just about bottomed out. You know, he's around a 70 break even, and he's only $432,000. He does play after Newcastle, the Canberra Raiders in round 17. So he's going to give you that round 17 cover and then Manly in round 18. Bearing in mind that it's very close to must win games for the Chooks and they are trying a few different things with their attack. One of the things that I'm sure that they're going to start to try from this weekend is start to kick the ball to the six-foot-six winger. And, you know, if that starts to happen, we all know that Tupac can score 70-plus very easily just with some assists or tap-backs and things like that, or even a try. Um, The first four weeks, first four games that he played, we talk about the Roosters' attack being bad all year. It has. He still scored a try three out of their first four games. Obviously, he was injured in round eight onwards. So... You could do a lot worse if you're on a budget. You know, I would much rather go up to a Daniel Tupo at 430000 than try and buy someone at that sort of three hundred fifty k mark and, you know, try and jag a, a cheapy guy mm-hmm. or something Absolutely. like that. You know, just just pay up and just get someone like Tupes because he does have the upside. He does have the try scoring ability. And he's got that nice base that a lot of the other wingers that are going to be in that price category don't have. So I don't think he's a great person. I don't think it's the best buy ever. But when you're looking at one percenters, you know, he's someone that could work out and you could actually just leave him there for a few weeks at least.
1: Oh, there's never a super coach season that goes past where I don't own Super at some point. <laughs> you know, I've always banged on about it on several podcasts over the years. He's such a handy, you get him on a, one of those runs and he's just super consistent. Never usually for the whole season, as you said. He goes and runs. But at that price, I mean, he's again in that sort of fifth, sixth, even seventh centre wing. If you're not running a, a dual sort of centre wing second round and from you're seventh, you could slot him in there, play him on matchups. Not bad this week. The Chooks draw over the next month isn't bad. He's cheap. He can do a lot worse. And as you said, he's, he's always got good base and base attack. I mean, when he has a bad week, he's pushing 40. So just those one try and he's got your 70 points.
0: Yeah, if you're low on trades and you don't have any money and you can't afford some of these guys and you know your centre wing is going to be short of high quality in those backup spots, someone like Tupo is a decent buy because he is someone that you can leave there and rotate in and you can get him at a discount. You don't want to be stuck with you know one of these cash cows or one of these uh, other wingers, like a, a junior Panga who's come into the roosters side and played very well, um, $265,000, minus eight break even. People will look at that person and go, that's pretty good. He could stick around, Uh, or he could be straight out as soon as Sualee comes back. Or, you know, maybe Manu goes back to the centres next week and he's out as early as next week. You know, it's really hard to tell with the rotation. Uh, Him and Corey Allen are fighting it out to be the first guy back in New South Wales Cup. But, you know, we we have a a genuine half back now. If that sticks next week and we have Teddy come back and we have Manu push to the centres, you know, you could have Allen and, and Junior both dropped very soon in the next two weeks, and then all of a sudden you're not really going to make enough money to justify the trade out, and he's gone solid the last two weeks per se, 42 and 53, that 53 had a try in it though, you know, he's one of those ones where there isn't many cows, there isn't many cheapies with a negative break even it could work out, but it's a very high risk one, and, and I wouldn't be doing it myself
1: Nah you'd like it a lot more if you played around 19 as well, so at least getting two sort of definite numbers in a buy round scoring, but I mean, hes I think only really head to head coaches, if you're looking at him, wouldn't they, that have sort of got sort of 20 trades and maybe a few boosts up their sleeve. I don't think any overall coach at this time of the year would be looking for a junior poker type cow in the centre wing.
0: Yeah, probably not. Um, and, you know, you're, you were saying before that you've tipped Newcastle. Uh, I have as well. Bruce is a $2.65. You know, if you want to take the line of plus six and a half at $1.92 on pickle bet, yeah, you know, look, it could be a close one. Maybe they lose a close one, and you can get that that value at one ninety two. I don't mind that one on on Picklebet, but this next one, tell you what, Parramatta Eels dollar fifty two get me all over that one. Eels versus Manly, I don't care oh. that they're missing both halves. I, I really like the look of the Eels in this one because obviously Manly is going to be missing Turbo and DCE, which is a killer for them. Massive outs yeah. for Manly. Like, yeah. I think everyone we will focus on the halves out for the Eels, but it's just as bad or worse for Manly.
1: Add to that, Gerbo's not back from injury yet, order. That's probably their three key players, really.
0: Yep. No, I think, that especially coming off last week's big win, I think a lot of people will get carried away with that. But combex Stadium for the Heels, we've got to talk about the first big gun. It's, it's the king. It, it's obviously Gartho, 74-point average, uh, coming off a 138-point score last week, which, mind you, I will say he scored three tries in, what, the first 20 minutes and did nothing else after it. So...
1: Yeah, oh, him and Moses. I was sitting there. I think I texted you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was,
1: uh, how good's this? I'm going to be looking at seventeen hundred. And then they both went to sleep in the second half.
0: Uh, well, he's still in. He's still under ten percent ownership, and that's because he's locked at fullback. So it's quite hard to fit in these fullback only guys. Like Perth, I said, half a dozen of them are good options just for this round.
1: He's probably having a career year for Supercoach this year. I think, yeah. And probably NRL too, to be honest. He's played some bloody good football.
0: Yeah, his consistency has been really good. And even though he's got that big score, it's one of those rare ones. He's got that big score, but he's still only 677000 because he only went up twenty-six k. So he's very affordable still, um, but he is someone who does have a break-even of three. So you know that he's actually going to make that money. He is a perfect bike candidate if you've got the cash to spend because he's going to make money in the next few weeks. So he's going to score well. You could even argue, Perso, that he might even be a second fullback for you. You know, if if Turbo ends up hurt Teddy keeps going how he's going, it could be Latrell Gutho was the best combo to have for the run home.
1: You certainly do worse than plugging him in at the moment and making that assessment after Origin as to whether who you're going to run home with. I mean, you look at Trell, but south have got two boys in the last seven rounds, so that's not overly handy when you're starting to get low on trades and in key matchups for head-to-head. So uh, currently you've got Turbo at eighty one point six, Trill at seventy-nine point five, Oh, Gary, but if you're having fullback, no, one will have fullback, Bruce Walsh at seventy eight, and then Buller seventy six, Gutho seventy-four. So that's uh between Buller and Gutho, really is you could easily plug one of them as your second fullback for that run home. I do know what Turbo and Trill's durability is like, they might be out of, scratched out of the, the situation altogether by then. So you can end up running home with Buller and Gutho. He's definitely a good option. And as you said, he's not going to break the bank. Good break even. Does play 19. Plays next week as well, which is very important.
0: I love the the, the next month. Like, let's talk about the next month of the draw for the Eels, but particularly for for It Gutherson. is nice. He's going to play Manly, Convex Stadium in the big buy around 16. The mini big buy in round 17, he's going to play the Dolphins. Then he has around 18 off which is fine because you've got huge cover there with the one team off in the Eels. Yeah, exactly. He plays the second big buy in round 19 with the New Zealand Warriors at Conbank Stadium and then the Titans at Combank Stadium after that. It is three out of the next four games at Combank Stadium in the next five weeks, two major big buy rounds, one mini big buy round, and he's going to be goal kicking if Moses doesn't play. I'm trying every single way I can to get to get Gutherson in. It would mean I have to sell Tedesco, which hurts my heart, but I'm highly consider it.
1: Yeah, especially when you've held him for so long and he's finally come good.
0: Yeah, he looks good, but it just seems like, you know, Gutherson's going to have more in him. His this next month of football is just sublime. That eels draw yeah, it really is. for the bye rounds, you're not going to get better and Gutherson is going to be the number one player for it. So, yeah, you know, oh, I can't talk highly enough. Can you see any reason, you know, not to look at it per se?
1: Perfect buy for anyone looking for a fullback over the next month, that's for sure. As we'd like to him, he plays both the tricky buy rounds in the uh, left, 17 and 20. And as you said, he's got that buy in round 18 when we're not going to have any worry about origin players missing. And so you can quite easily cover him that round. That's, yeah, there's uh,
0: not many negatives. No, not at all. Throw in there to finish up on King Gutho. VC this week, strong. Goal-kicking versus Manly coming off 138, not goal-kicking last week. Comeback Stadium.
1: No Moses, he, uh, no Moses, no Brown. Guffer will be in absolutely everything.
0: Yeah, and that is a stat that it, that is there. Like, he has his hands on the ball a lot more, uh, and he's one of those guys that will take possessions, and that's going to be good for him. Like, we haven't seen enough of the the pass to the left wing of Sevo, the cutout ball, for a couple of tries against Manly this week. I reckon that's going to be on.
1: It's- Probably because Brown's been going so well, and Moses as well. He tends to take Mm. a back suit when both of those guys are chirping. And there'd be no back suit this week. It'll be the guffo show.
0: Absolutely love it. Uh, The other clear gun for the Eels to talk about is Jermaine Hopgood. 72.1 points per game, coming off 62 points last round. I think Perso, you know, I'm torn. He's... Almost $700,000 to purchase. He's been going great guns. I've also got the shits because I sold him like six weeks ago or whatever when he scored <laughs> his 40s. Yeah. He didn't. I held him. He's got an 87 break even, right? So yeah, he's he's not going to make you any money, but he's obviously going to give you hopefully a big score. Uh, last week, I think it was slightly concerning. He, he only played 64 minutes and they were down on trips. Um Scored his 62 points for that 64 minutes. They have Ryan Madison back this week, but he's playing six, which is good for them. But we obviously know, you know, Regan Campbell-Gillard came back last week. Junior Barlow will be back next week. Ryan Madison, who knows when he's going to be back in the Fords, but it could be in the next couple of weeks. You just can see that Hopgood's value is going to go back down again, unless, you know, you kind of get lucky. And his value being back down again sort of gives him a range of low 40s to low 60s, which for his price tag of 700000 I just don't think it's worth it's not the best buy, you know, it could work out, but I just don't think it's the best buy. But if you're an owner, obviously you love it, you know, but am I just jaded? You know, is it because I'm so upset that I sold him? Or, you know, do you (laughs) think he's a great buy? Uh, No, I
1: wouldn't say you're jaded. All logic behind it says um, no, but he's just been kissed on the dick all season, isn't he? Every time you think he's going to lose minutes and be irrelevant, something happens and he just picks it up and he just keeps going. Um, I've held him the whole time so I'm probably a little bit the opposite I'll, I'll, I'll probably just hold him all season now I, but he is a bit pricey but see second row forward we always associate it as being one of the premium positions there's not really that many guys killing it this year certainly not many average over 70 and one of those is Tino you know, am Silmo Ali who you're playing a prop if you've got him and he's out well, doesn't play hardly at all with Titans draw over Origin. So that sort of leaves Hopgood as the second best option in second row forward behind the feeder, who is also playing Origin. So there's probably merit there in, if you don't have him in forking him out because of what we just touched on before with that Earl's draw being so critical they play this week, next week, but the buy in 18 then play 19 and 20 as well. So, And then by that stage, all the troops are back. You can make the assessment and whether you hold him or move him on. Campbell Gillard looks short of a gallop. Madison's at 5'8 this week if he passes the captain's run on. So he's going to get good minutes through this buy period.
0: Yeah, look, I'll give you the the best reason to not buy Hopgood. His teammate, Ryan Madison. He is an ultra pod. You know, Hopgood's 49% owned at the moment. That is massive. Madison's 2% owned. Mm. Now, He's got to break even 101, but we all know that that might save you, you know, 20 grand or something after he scores this week. So he could get that at five eight this week. Yeah. It's, he's, he's almost the same price. He's 693,000. He's almost the same price. And he's in 2% of teams instead of 49% of teams. And he's averaging 71 for the year himself. Yep. He is someone who, you know, as long as he's on the field, there is no danger of him being a keeper the whole season. He's one of the best secondary forwards you, you can have. And on top of that, he's playing six this week, which you know, I've seen you know, mixed reviews on his move to six. Uh, I actually really like it because, for one, you want to remember that he's really effective off the bench, which people forget, and that's why he remains low ownership. You know, he's he's playing between sort of 52 and 62 minutes off the bench, but he's really effective in that with all the middle work. Playing 80 minutes, his work rate should be close to the same because he's still going to run the ball a lot. But he's going to get touches where he can actually get some clutch attack of which he's had barely any this year. We saw him put in in his last game that he played uh, a deaf little grubber for a try assist, and everyone was like, well, "Where's that from?" From Madison, he can do that, and he's, he's got always that, had that. Always had that, and he's going to have the opportunity. Like we spoke about, Gutherson having extra possessions, Ryan Madison is going to have a great chance to do a few things with the ball. He's not the six that he was five years ago. And certainly 10 years ago when he was coming through as a junior and he was a legitimate six, he's a lot bigger now, but he's still got the touches and the IQ to be able to get that clutch attack. And I think that's coming. And I think that his work rate will be largely unaffected when you take into account his base attack. So I I absolutely love it. I think he could carve this week as someone who will go from 2% ownership to like 2.5% ownership per so. And it's just one of those ones that it ticks every box for me aside from making a huge amount of money because – you want to, you want him all year anyway. Like you said, there's not that many good secondary forwards. He is one. If he's on the park, yep. I want him for the rest of
1: the year. 100%. It's straight on the point that I, that I was going to make on Madison. His, um, his work rate might change at 5-8 to what it does when he plays 13 or 12. He'll, still, he'll get a lot of defence at him. He'll make a lot of tackles. He's still going to get his offloads. He's still going to take his runs. And he's just got a bit of more upside, if anything, because he's going to have his hands on the ball more. So, the attacking stats are going to be coming.
0: Was, no no trial line bait this year, Perso. No trial line bait. And he's
1: yet. still averaging seventy. <laughs> so yeah, oh, he's a he's a gun boy, Mado. If he's fit and he's cleared to play, it's gonna be very hard to leave him out. But I think it says a lot that maddo has gone to five eight ahead of Cardi as well. Cardi's played pretty much just as much five eight as Maddo has coming through the ranks. And um so obviously Arthur's got the confidence that Madison's gonna do the job. And Dejan and was pretty handy last week too, the old Mustard. At seven, so he'll control it, and Mato will play that run in five eight with an offload, and he's got a good short kicking game. Modo. he's always had that, so could be some points coming off that, and he'll be he'll be on the right side, won't he? I'd say, Mato. He normally plays right edge. Be interesting to see which way they go there. Actually, Moses and Brown out. Yeah. Which one will play left, and which one will play right?
0: Yeah, I think the Mustards played on both sides from memory. So I think that they'll actually move him, um, which will also probably open it up well because Gutherson prefers that left-hand side and Madison prefers the right. And you'd think that those guys would dominate the possession. If
1: on the left edge, could be quite juicy. Yeah,
0: it's one of those big things as well as a strategy where getting on a week or two before everyone else is huge. And I don't think everyone else will get on him anyway. He'll be like a gag guy. He'll remain a pod forever because people won't get on him. But Madison, love it this week. One of my best trades, I reckon.
1: And the other factor with Maddo too, because he's been out at this crucial time, everyone's sort of probably at their eels maximum. That's true as well. The way the buys are. Like for a lot of people to try and bring in Maddo this week, it'd probably be an eel too far.
0: Well, I'll throw something else there too. You know, if Brown drags on and look, he's got a few weeks and then caught again, right? Or two weeks or whatever. And we all know that could drag on again. That drags on, all of a sudden, um, you know, Madison could end up uh, dual 5-8, couldn't he? Like, when's the next update? I'm trying to think.
1: Well, uh, I don't know. I don't Somewhere around there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it isn't a clear-cut standard by Supercoach. So he might only play a couple of games at six. But if we have Brown ruled out for three months or something, and we know that, they'll say that he's a clear-cut six, and they'll give him yeah. dual eligibility. So you're talking about who your second six is going to be. You could be moving Ryan Madison there. You know, that's, exactly. He's just got everything going for him at the moment, Maddo. Aside from that calf, which could reoccur, that's your risk. But you know, it's a small risk compared to all the upside. Mike Casibo perso, can I just tell you, <laughs> he has not scored below 60s plus from for. It's been two out of the last nine games. You know, we all worry about his four with his 21 base, which is as bad as what Dom Youngs is. It doesn't matter. He just scores tries.
1: Uh, he's hanging foul on a 60.6 average. He's there about.
0: We know he's got the big ones. 124 versus the Titans <laughs> only a month ago, mate. Like, I just... I love some Micah. Well,
1: I was about to say, we all know your love affair with Micah. And when he's got a run of games at Bankwest, that's pretty easy to understand why. He just cannot not score there.
0: Three out of the next four at Bankwest. That's yeah, right. It's just... <laughs> Oh, three out the next four. Combank, and uh, it's yeah, sorry, Combank. (laughs) Yeah, Ron Banks. Whoops. It's it's also like I was absolutely spewing on the weekend because he got dudded by that stupid obstruction call, and that was another thirty-eight points with the tackle bus and the line break and the try and everything. He was going to a ton on the weekend. You know, it was a heller. He's he's scored very consistently, even though he's needed tries to get to his sixties. Very, very consistent. Sixty-four percent of the time in the season, he's gone sixty plus. And, you know, that includes three out of his first five games where he's playing poorly when he started the season. It's uh it's just crazy how much sixty plus he's going. He's more like seventy-five percent at the moment, going sixty plus, and that's probably gonna stick for the season. He's bang on six hundred thousand dollars. Uh, And he's playing this manly side where he could go for a triple and go for 100 plus. If you're looking at absolutely like really sneaky VC options per se because they're super easy to loop. If you want to go for a a high risk one that might bum out, but high reward, Mike Acevo with a triple against the Titans with 124 points only in round 10, could easily see it happening again and then boom, that's a real loopable score this week. So uh, I think you could do a lot worse, but the other guy that's, under the radar a little bit. Pennacini, owned by hardly anyone. He's different to Micah. Uh, he doesn't have those big ones in him, but he's quietly solid with no low scores, isn't he? Like, he's been, been very basey this year, hasn't he? Huge base at 35, and his base base attack gives him a floor of 51, and he's only 577000 with a 50s BE, so he's bottomed out. Uh, the last three weeks, he's got 72, 62, and 66. So, I mean... If you want someone with a higher floor perso that's got a good run from here on out and a good buy cover, you could leave him in there. He's one of those guys that you could just leave as your sixth centre wing and uh, he's going to be super low ownership as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's it's all a team dependent how you've built your centre wing, I suppose, at the moment. Both of those guys, you could easily plug in what we've said with a few of the other ones on the board so far is your, your sort of fifth, sixth guy going to do a job for you on the run home, never going to score badly for you. some packing stats here and there. The Eels' draw, like we keep banging on about it, over the next month is that's pretty juicy, really. <laughs> they play three of the next four games at home. The, the away game in round 17 is against a depleted Dolphins who are starting to get some troops back. I think Kafusi and uh, Evan O'Sullivan might be back by then. Maybe looking to bounce back, but still, I mean, they've shown that they can be leaky at times. Uh, yeah, any it's just pretty much. Pick your poison. Really, it's going to come down to how many eels you've got. Because uh, if you got any more than five, I think you might be in trouble in round eighteen, which should be a, an easy round.
0: Yeah, that's that's true as well. Um, so you definitely got to count your eels. You can't get all of them. But geez, they look good at the moment. Manly don't look very good, but you know Ruben Garrick is the gun to talk about. He's obviously just gone ballistic. Uh, it's meant that he's gone back to being a bit more expensive. Perso, he's uh, yeah. is...
1: top averaging top averaging player available this weekend.
0: Reuben Garrett, uh, behind the game. 169-point score do that for you. He's shot up to 78 points a game. <laughs> I think he was about 70 points per game before this last round. He's got those in him, but doesn't he? Yeah, he does. You, just, you wouldn't think that he would have had it at centre. Like, Do you think that it's turned no. around for him? Because, I mean, the next three weeks for Manly, you know, he's got the next two weeks away, first of all, around 16 and 17 with the big buy and mini mini big buy. Reading. Parramatta away, Melbourne away. Now, that doesn't look good for him. Doesn't really and, well. you know. But last week didn't look good for him with a few different things, and he still scored 169. So I'm really torn because he's gone from 700,000 to 790,000 almost, almost you know, 90K up this week on what you could have bought him last week. Very expensive, but like you said, he is the best averaging player this year. You know, do, Is it one of those things where you zag this one and go, look, he's highly owned. He's just come off this, and it, the draw doesn't look good. He doesn't even play the round 19 by... Turbo and DC. which games are they going to be there for? Yep. Or do you just have to bite the bullet and go, I'm just, I need to have this guy for the whole year?
1: Oh, I think if you got him, you definitely need to have him for the whole year. But he's going to have down weeks. Yeah, that's a lot of money to fork out now, isn't it? Really. Um, if you didn't have him, I think you'd probably just be praying this week with no Turbo and no DCE. But um, mainly don't. Certainly don't repeat last week's performance, I and mean, he might punch out a forty or a fifty or something, and it's not going to hurt you by not owning him this week. I'd be more worried about not owning other guys this week than than Ruben Garrett.
0: Yeah, I would as well. And can I just say, you know, we do have his one hundred sixty nine points at centre on the weekend. Round nine, he played against the Gold Coast at home and scored thirty five points in centre. So he could
1: quite easily do that again this week. Yeah, thirty five. I think he'd be more likely to punch out a
0: thirty five this week than a hundred. I'm going to completely absolve myself from this conversation and not give any advice on it. That's what I'm going to do because I'd just <laughs> miss that 160 myself anyway and just, you know, just go with your gut, everybody, and I don't want to be responsible for what your gut says on this one. Ola <laughs> I, you know, what, six weeks ago said he was a certainty for origin. I was looking for him if he wasn't and, you know, keen to buy him for the first buy. Oh, it's yeah. Go straight off a cliff to the point that a month ago I said, I don't even want to look at him anymore. You know, there's too many low scores. He had a, a three-game run between 11 and 13 where he went 54, 34, and 46. And I would have been absolutely livid if I traded him in for that round 13 by and got 46 points off him. You know, it was just it, – it's what I could see coming from him. He's only actually got three scores uh, – sorry, four scores out of his 13 games that have been 70-plus. And that's very different to what we've seen from him last year when he busted out. His average is down a full 10%, you know, just trying to hover around that 60-point margin to remain a gun, but 65 plus the average last season. I spoke about the draw the next couple of weeks not being too favourable. Normally, the Eels do give up some points to some opposing forwards, but... I just can't get around Olicobado at the moment. The only thing that I think that he's got going for him per is at 530-odd thousand, he's actually a really cheap second-round forward option when you might need some the next couple of weeks to plug and play, especially in round 17 as well when we've got a few out. That's a good thing for him. He is cheap. Obviously, if he reverses the form of this year and gets back up to the 65-plus, he's going to have to average 70-plus to be able to get back to that level. You know, that could happen. I just don't like I just don't love what I've seen from him. So I'm going to steer clear, but, you know, if someone needs a cut price guy, he could very well start to deliver a bit better than what he has.
1: Yeah, I couldn't go near him. Um, I'm actually surprised at his ownership, to be honest. He's only in 6% of teams, but I'm still, I'm still surprised at that. He is hanging on to a 60 point average just, but there's just no upside with him this year. Uh his attack's changed a fair bit under Seabold this season he's got a lot of tries off kicks last year he was sort of a bit like Nani; they targeted him with um kicks a lot last season it doesn't seem to be happening this year he's just got too many 30s and 40s in him to sort of bring it in really I mean he could plug a hole if you need numbers in these tighter rounds and you could do worse getting stuck with players at the end of the season as your sixth second rate forward but yeah there's just um, too many better options at second row for me.
0: His base at 43 is, is average for an edge back row, but his base attack's gone yep. down too much. 12 points uh-huh. a game for his TBs and offloads. It's not enough for someone like him. He's He's got to have more than that.
1: His offloads sort of disappeared. He offloaded a lot more last season, whether that's a, a coaching tactic or it's just a defensive effort by opposing coaches to sort of wrap him up because he was, he was getting quite a few offloads away last year. So... Let's move along to your
0: Tigers versus Storm, the second last game. So, certainly the Tigers have got a couple of guns, which, you know, I remember doing the preseason podcast with you. They had none.
1: We had, had nothing, none, did we? So, <laughs>
0: you've improved. Couldn't
1: find couldn't <laughs> a gun. I think there's a point where you, you, you try to find an extra leg for Luke Brooks to
0: fucking have some point kind of gun there. Well, you got two. You got two bad. this round. Okay. Dream Buller, the Dream, 76 points a game. The guy that's going to be talked about by me at the end of the year is the one that I missed out on that cost me my season. He's killing it. Pullback only. Tigers versus Melbourne but he's playing at home and obviously the Melbourne don't have, Melbourne Storm don't have their star origin players. So he's killing it at the moment. 76 point average. He's 691,000 and I think one of the things is, like, he's just gone up 121k this year. Like, I didn't know oh, this week, sorry. I didn't know last week whether he was still going to be a buy, even though he had a lowish break even. He's still got up 120k in a week, and he's got a break even at 20. You know, he's the way he's going, I, I can't bet against him, which I said maybe last week. There's no way I'll bet against him at the moment. He's gone 124, 111, and 95 his last three weeks. His first three-week average perso was in the low 50s. You fast forward, and all of a sudden, his last three week average, when he's had some hard opposition there as well, he's just absolutely brained it. And he's gone 110 points per game in the last three weeks. Oh, it's outstanding from from young Buller. And he's been in everything. He's got a high work rate. He's got a good base attack. He's got the clutch attack in him. He's got the full kit. If you own him, I think that he does become a VC option this week. If you don't own him for this game, are you going to bite the bullet and say, that you can bring him in and he is a buy over some of these more fancy fullbacks like a Drinkwater and Edwards and Gatho.
1: It's a tough call isn't it to say that you'd buy um, at this point at six ninety one k that you'd buy Buller over, he couldn't buy him over Gutho, Gutho's the number one for mine this week if you don't own him. Um, you could even argue you could probably pick up Will Kennedy ahead of Buller as well if you're looking for that sort of buy coverage sort of uh, fullback but I was lucky enough. I didn't... Well, he always looked like he was going to be a half-decent cow, but just being fullback only at the time, I had no room for him. And then Latrell got injured, so I missed out on his 124, but then I picked him up when Latrell was out got his last two scores, and i DC'd him for the last two weeks, which I didn't look with a 111 and a 95, but he's in everything. His work rate is like phenomenal. He's got a high base, and he just seems to be getting better and better every week. So, I mean... If you want to pay 690K for him, go for your life and bring him in, I think you're probably still going to make more money too. But um, I, if it depends, totally depends on what your fullbacks are already. If it, you didn't have Gutho, I'd be bringing Gutho in ahead of Buller. But for me, that's the perfect combination of those two at the moment.
0: It is a really good combo at the moment. And it, well, he does have the round 17 buy, so you've got to be really careful because he is one of those three teams. Mm-hmm. So you certainly can't have too many Tigers. Yeah, if you've got four Sharks
1: and you've got him and Bateman and, and then like Preston or something like that, you might be in a bit of Barney next week. Yeah, but
0: the, the positive is the two big buy rounds being this week and also round 19, He's the Tigers are going to play both of them. So you're going to have Buller for that round 19 game versus Sharks as well. And that happens to be a home game at Campbelltown Stadium as well for the uh, the Tigers. So buy a cover for the big ones, it's good. Be careful of next week. Um, John Bateman you mentioned, and he's the other gun for this week for the Tigers. He started going really well the last few weeks. 88, yeah, yeah, 88, 102 and 68. uh, It's been really good. I actually decided to buy Nakora over him because I looked ahead and said, I'm I'm not going to be able to get Nakora and Bateman because of the amount of players I'm going to have out in round 17. And I chose Nakora over him because I was uh, more comfortable running with him for the rest of the season. Uh, but one of the interesting things for Bateman is that the last couple of weeks per so, he's obviously named to start on an edge like normal, but he's actually been in the middle.
1: Yeah, he's um he's slotted and playing a lot through the middle as well. I mean Bateman just does what Bateman does, doesn't he? He's a very unique sort of player. Definitely since since he's matched fitness, like he had no offseason at all. He was just stuck in the UK. He didn't play till round three. Uh it sort of eased him back in. But yeah, sort of over the last month he's just he's looked expedited on the eye test, he looks fit, he's getting involved. He's a pretty good option, I reckon.
0: In fairness, he's a guy that never looks fit, even when he is. (laughs) But in the last two weeks, he has gone 63 and 64 in raw base. So it has made a massive difference, not just his fitness, but him being in the middle, as as well as some edge minutes. That's made a huge difference because his work rate, the amount of tackles he goes up by being in the middle, is just insane. So he's looking like a, a season keeper at the moment, especially if they keep that up. Um, If he goes back to an edge, I do think that he's going to go back down a bit. You know, he's the last few weeks he's obviously gone fantastic because he's scored two tries in the last three rounds as well. But ordinarily, you're probably looking at that sort of 68-point type of scoreline if they keep that rotation. Uh, I think that if he goes back to exclusive edge, then you might be looking at more like a 62, 63, and that becomes slightly less appealing. Uh, But, you know, obviously got the, the two big buys per se. So, yep, he looks good. He used getting
1: up in price now, too, though, Barnes, didn't he? That's the, I sort of jumped on him a while back. I it was just
0: 692k. It's kind of a bit horse-like, isn't it? Like, if you got on the horse when you did, it was all right. Yeah. But if you waited too long, and now, you know, with Bateman, there's not a lot of value there to get. If you didn't
1: have Nakora, Madison, and Bateman in your side, I think you'd probably be going Nakora and Madison over Bateman. I think that's a pretty no-brainer.
0: I think Madison's number one for me, and, and I've already chosen yeah. the core over yeah. Bateman. But, you know, I think that it's a close enough conversation. Yeah, i all for... three, so. <laughs> you must be set up pretty well for seven. <laughs> you know, I couldn't do it. Uh, he, he's a great one. Um, another one that's not great, but it's a massive port, and some people are sort of asking themselves, jeez, is IPAP ever going to come back to life? And if he is, he's huge value. I don't think that he is, but we spoke about someone like Ola Kouachi being value. Um, if he does come back... IPAP is way more value if he does come back. He's actually got a 46 rule base, which is three points better than kuatu in a down year for him. Uh, and he's got the 10-points base attack, which is only two points different. So his base-base attack is actually exactly the same or one point better than what Oluquatu's is at 56 points per game. The problem is he just hasn't scored any tries. So there's a lot of 50s in there, and that's a big issue.
1: His base is outstanding for an edge-back row. Right? They just cannot link with Luke Brooks on that left edge. It's just... it's. Stifling mean, he's got any attack he gets, he's just doing it on his own with a, a big carry and an offload, and he just there's no cohesion on that left edge. Five hundred and
0: twenty-two thousand. and twenty two thousand. He's he's the cheapest guy that's in that sort of semi-gun type of status that can get to a gun again uh in this round, I think. But is it worth it? I've sort of said no, it's not. I don't actually see him coming back. He has got one trial a year in his twelve games. Oh, that's probably gonna happen for the back half of the year, you know. He's probably got one more try left in him for this season. You compare the Parramatta Eels
1: left edge to the Tiger's left edge, and it's like chalk and cheese, isn't it?
0: I'd buy cart right over him. That's where that's where I had on I'd buy cart yeah,
1: right over well, him. I've still got I've, I've still got Cardi too. <laughs> I've had him since the uh, me start. too.
0: Another to sell um, that I did. But anyway.
1: Uh, no, yeah, I, I couldn't bring my back in. I think he, especially not being dual. I mean if he was dual front row It'd make him a lot more appealing, like he was last year, because front row, you'd sort of plug him there and he'd do a job. But uh, I think there's just far better options. Even though his price isn't massive, I still think they're just far better options in second row than I've had. And I, 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 as a Tigers fan, I watch him pretty closely. They're, that left edge just struggles. Struggles to get him into the spot. Like they haven't worked out his style of game. And Luke Brooks and him just have got no combination. There's no lines. There's no. Like, he just. He never looks like getting into an attacking situation. He'll get through a ton of work and he's done a pretty good job. But there's just no attack there. For him. It looks like
0: they don't care. Like I, I don't. I, I question why Tim no. Sheens bought him because there's plenty of workhorse edge back rowers you can get that have got no offensive capability in attack. And yeah,
1: they might as well play you know, him a lot.
0: Yeah, they've they've just blunted him completely. Um, and I don't, uh, that just seems yep. to be the role 100%. that they're wanting to play, which I again, I question why they bothered to buy someone like him that's a really dynamic edge back row with the attack. Uh,
1: doing a good job defensively. It, it's, yeah, it's, there's so much more upside to IPAP and they're just not using it. I think a lot of that's got to do with Luke
0: yep. Bit of a, a, a cow value trap, which is an interesting uh, little combo in this one. Jake Simkin. Now, a lot of people are looking at him as a cow. Mm. Um, he's 235,000. He's got a minus 22 break even. So, I mean, he seems to tick the boxes. He played 64 minutes last game and scored 76 points. He's got good job security as far as starting with Appy out. So, you know, people are looking at it going, wow, I could go Luke straight to him and all of a sudden I've got someone that's actually scoring decent. It's going to make money and it all looks great on paper. Um, I'm a lot more cautious with this and think that it could be very trappish. Uh, So, interested in your take as a Tigers fan, but one of the things that's happened is that he played big minutes last week because obviously Coruscant went down and and he got the rest of the minutes. This week, they do have a bench hooker there. Uh, Jake Simpkin himself has been told that at the end of the year, he's gone. There's no way the Tigers are re-signing him. He doesn't have a job anymore. That's how much they value Simpkin. Talon De was a guy. And De Silva... He is the next coming and he is someone that the Tigers do want to keep. So, you know, maybe you'll get lucky and you get like a 55-minute split with Simpkin getting the 55 minutes. Um, but in two weeks' time, that could turn into a 40-40 split with the minutes. And then Simpkin's just going to be absolute mud. Uh, so he might very well make a quick 60-70K, uh, um, but he also could score pretty badly. And
1: Abbey's a notoriously uh, fast holer yeah. too. So, uh, I mean, again, it's team dependent and on your trades. Like, for a sunny Luke out for a Simpkin at the moment for the next couple of weeks, well, the Tigers don't play next week, so that's a, a bonus as well that's not good. But um, you might get a couple of good weeks out of him. If you've got trades to burn, there's probably worse moves than a sunny Luke to a Simkin, but um, I can't see Simpkin setting the world on fire over the next month, and you're definitely going to be using two trades on him. You're not holding him for the rest of the season, that's for sure. So... Overall, coaches will probably avoid it like the player got would say. Well,
0: he's the 2nd most trading player at the moment, which I found very surprising. Wow. Um, That's insane. Yeah,
1: Must be a lot of head-to-head There's too players. many
0: people probably looking at him than they should. <laughs> I think he's got the number one break-even in the in the
1: round. And there'll probably be more next week because he'll probably play 65 minutes this week. I think they'll ease the silver into it and he'll get more minutes each week. And then you'll probably find when Abby comes back, the silver will be there and it's him going to be gone.
0: Yeah, I was I was interested in what you thought with the because I sort of pegged Simkin for about fifty five.
1: Fifty five ish, I think, will probably be it. But the first week yep. this week, they may just blood him on for fifteen minutes. But when, it, it all depends how you handle it. Watching him through the lower grades is an absolute gun. So he's one of the old the super <laughs> the NRL gurus, it could be anything, this kid.
0: Wow. So
1: We'll see how he goes. Simpkin get, won't so. be
0: anything because he's, he's in the settlement queue already. So it's uh, yeah, He's already been told to look elsewhere. So limited interest too. So you know, not to drag Sim, young Simkin down, but he's not. Um, I've seen
1: worse. I've seen worse hookers than him too. A little bit of a strange one that one, but well, he's no. He showed but... some
0: promise in the past. I think he's just one of those young guys that just didn't really put it all together, and they've, they've kind of just put at the point that yeah. they're, they just think they're not he's not going to. So.
1: Probably a victim of being stuck at the Tigers too, I suppose, when he was supposed to be the next big thing coming through Queensland and got to the Tigers, and the Tigers have been pretty ordinary. Yeah, he could
0: be. He might be one of those guys as well that's just a, going to be a gun New South Cup player and give another side a bit of depth when they need it. Probably better than what you know the Roosters have got in Jack Turpin at the moment. So, I mean, I'm I'm off Simpkin. I've already said that pretty much. I don't think it'll work. The other thing that I'd say for him too, Perso, is if you're going to loop to him, it's one of those things that to me it's it's quick gratification. You're gonna feel really good about it straight up. And uh, maybe for two weeks you're gonna be on a high about it. But after that
1: if you got twenty plus trades, it's an option if you you that's it. Basically.
0: I'd actually look longer term though and go, you know what, it's you know, I've got a chance at the moment where I've got a lot of guys I need to trade out and you know, i probably have an opportunity to have a lot of bank. I'd just, rather
1: go on Croker, to be honest.
0: I'd rather just save up and go to Grant next week.
1: <laughs> like yeah.
0: You know, it wasn't that hard for me to get a few hundred grand in the bank last week because I didn't have trades that I had to make. And you know, a lot of teams are already gonna have twelve players this week. If you've got twelve, get yourself to thirteen and, and get a downgrade done somewhere that you need to do it and bank some money. Because yeah, I'd rather exactly. spend one trade going to a grant who's only six hundred thousand at the moment, which is cheap for him. Do that next week.
1: Quick segue out of this is a real quick segue. Hooker, what's the plan running home? Grant and
0: who? Well, I automatically thought that I was going to trade Robson to Grant, but then I've looked at South Straw and just pointed mm-hmm. it out to me as well, and reminded again and again that South Straw isn't that good for the run home for the final third. And I sort of went, well, maybe I'm going to keep Robson as backup and go Grant, Robson. You know, it's it's such a tough one. I do think it's Grant, Robson, and Cook with the dark horse being JMK. Um, and if you got JMK already, you probably hold him as your second hooker and go for your first as Grant.
1: I'm stuck with Grant and Luke, and I really think I'm just going to keep a trade. If Grant goes down, I'll pick up someone else and just run with Grant and Luke. Because nine times out of ten, I don't think I'll be playing a second booker in my
0: 17, if even in gas playing. It works out perfect in a perfect world. I think that the problem that coaches will run up and then on... I'll get, I'll lose two halfbacks, and I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and it's very hard to go from Luke to anyone which is the issue at the moment. And as you get mm, later exactly. in the season, you just you need really two trades stinks. for it, right? You can't just save one, And then all of a sudden, one of your trades ends up being enough to be able to go for a grant replacement when he gets hurt or is out one week, you know. It's... That's
1: where someone like Lachlan Croak is not a bad shout, out.
0: Yeah, if you know someone like him that's, you know, going to be solid enough, you know, if, if Brandon Smith will be out for the year, you could talk a little bit more about someone like Jake Turpin. Yeah.
1: Bloody tricky this year, Booker.
0: It is. Um, I'm kind of happy that I've got Robson and and Cook because it um, got me out of trouble.
1: They both do a job. I started with Cook and Grant, and Cook never set the world on fire, but he was doing a job there for a while, and I needed cash somewhere to... I I can't remember who it was, but it was someone I had to get that week, and I needed cash, and I downgraded Cook to Luke. I probably should never have done that in hindsight.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, someone who we're we're not going to talk about in the last game, but for the Bulldogs, Reid Marty's only 420 k and he's playing Jesus, He's true. playing terrible, <laughs> but he's got some good enough games in him where if you had to play him for a week or you needed an AE, you'd cop a 40 and that's okay. So, I mean, like, if you really wanted some buy cover or to get off Sonny Luke, like, there's worse things that you can do than have him as your backup hooker that you never play unless Grant goes down. So, I mean, that's that's a good point. That's actually. another one that around 400k. You know, you know that he's going to be playing eighty minutes for the year unless he's hurt. So and he's going to give you a buy round cover for this round, and the dogs also have further cover too in round nineteen. So there's another one. But look, the Storm per se, Meany, the number one gun for this week. Um, Nick Meany's had a
1: under talk about under the radar. Oh,
0: I started with him, and then I think I, I sold him leading up to not right at round thirteen, but sort of leading into it. Maybe that Broncos game when I sort of went, look, he scored forty four last week, and yeah, you know, he ended up scoring forty five that week against the Broncos. He's seven hundred fifty thousand. You know, maybe I got him at seven hundred eighty thousand out. It's time to sell. Oh, I really wish I held him now because um, he's just he's kept going on, hasn't he? Last three weeks he's gone sixty three, eighty six,
1: and seventy six, and very much like a Saka, they just you expected to fall off mm. at some point, but they they just keep keeping on.
0: I've been pretty impressed with his base base attack because even at fullback, like everyone knows, it mean he's – Got a pretty low floor, but he still averaged 38 in his base base attack. I and mean, when you put in the goal kicking, he's upper 40s. And that's a really good floor for him without any clutch attack even thrown in there. So, look, he he's a premium option this week for the centre wing and for the run home. Uh, I think it's hard, though, because if you look at it, for me, like the last month of football is great, but I don't really love it from this point until the last month for the Storm.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky draw for the Storm over the next month. But like we said, he just came, seems to keep putting the numbers up. And I think it's it's um, well, it's not been made official or anything yet, but I think it's pretty clear you're not going to see
0: Papenhausen this year. I actually thought that it's going to be like obviously not that next few weeks like was um, Bulldog Richie was trying to say and everything. But I think I can see it happening in the last month and that's when you actually want Meany to be playing. So I think that's what's tricky about it because I mean, you could argue that Meany on the wing versus... You know, the, the Raiders, the Dragons and the Titans throughout the last four, you know, he's still gonna be okay.
1: I think when Bap does come back, it'll be he'll be playing that role he played off the bench when he first broke in, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll rush him in if he comes back this year. Like he's such a crucial part of that sort. Like if he's not that was and it was such a horrendous injury. Like it, they won't play him until he's a hundred percent and then I think they'll they'll He's always like that uh, sort of player on the bench, isn't he, Bellamy? You had Pappenhausen and Hines that sort of come on and float around, play anywhere. I think they're losing back. It just kept yeah every time you hear with Pappenhausen it was firstly it was six weeks and eight weeks and now we're looking at round sixteen, he's still nowhere near coming back.
0: I mean, mainly at 73 points a game. He's in 13% of teams, and it doesn't look like it's right. He's been playing good for yeah, he has. It doesn't look like he'll rise too much. Like Maybe he'll get sort of that 16% mark, 17% mark, but he's not going to go up too much. Do you see him as a top four, top five centre wing for the year, for the run home?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll do it. as long as and doesn't come in and go back and play number one and and uh, Mooney goes to the wing. So I think he's um, certainly looking like top four, isn't he? I mean, it's you got uh, Margey who missed the bus this week and's been dropped. And there's no he mightn't come back into that sort of, if if so sort of centre wing. you look at it, Garrick, Saka Mooney, and um, Margey. They're your top four at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's pretty tight because I mean, like Margey's an interesting one. We didn't talk about him in the Knights, but I I'm actually against selling him because I just think that his fours, his bad games are, are still good, and the Knights draw, like we mentioned at the time, is was pretty decent. And I, I sort of see him going straight back in the team last week. Like I actually found it a bit silly that if that if that's He's his a first offence or something, week. then you know dropping him for a game seems pretty extreme. Like normally that sort of a team. That's his second. He did it earlier in. Ah, oh, he? he? got
1: dropped. Yeah, he, got, he was supposed to be in the round one sort.
0: Can, can we get one of the listeners to maybe send him an iPhone charger <laughs> or something? An, an old school <laughs> alarm clock. He was,
1: for all money. He was getting picked in the round one, even Barry too. He said it, and then he missed. It was the same thing. Missed the bloody bus or whatever it was. I missed a training session and. So it took him a couple of rounds to get into the sword. And then he's killed it since he got back in. They still
0: have the alarm services like in Seinfeld where someone calls you <laughs> and you don't miss your race. <sighs> uh, uh, hey, you come, how, uh,
1: the mind boggles, doesn't it? How do you get to be a, an, an RL <laughs> player in 2023 and you're still missing buses like yeah, there,
0: On the pod front, Jerome Hughes, we're talking about you know, troubles at halfback.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: Gone up 37K, up to 590,000, still cheap. Uh, breaking him to 32 now, 3% of teams. 119, he threw up on the weekend. So he's gone well below expectations this year. Hasn't even been a gun until last week. Last week's score got him above 60 points a game. Before that, he was sub-60. 119, I have to say, there's two ways to look at it for me personally. One is geez, he might be firing again, might have some confidence from that. He can come into this week and carve the Tigers a little bit, has Manly the week after. Looks pretty good for Jerome Hughes to start to get his season average back up. Or the other thing you could say is that was such an anomaly against the Sharks that they were so terrible. And, you know, no one ever thought it was going to be 54 to 10. That's not going to happen again all year. And he just was, you know, his score was a result of that being such a crazy game. I don't know what to make of Jerome Hughes this year. Um, for that reason, I'm, I've obviously chosen that I'd rather just cop an AE if everyone's out next week. Um, but how are you seeing Jerome Hughes for this week as a buy for someone's halfback?
1: Hard pass for me, Barty. Um He's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but um, he just yeah that 119 was in an absolute storm masterclass last week, and to be honest, it's he's had two dozen scores all season. Uh, half back There's just better options mate. If he was a dual 5-8 You might tinker with it You might it Could come into the equation Tigers this week They've got players out but the Tigers are always Notoriously Put a bit of an effort Up against Storm So I'm not expecting them To go large there Manly Panrith the, the The big thing is You want to bring in A Storm player At this time of the year They've only got Two more games At Marble Stadium For the rest of the season that's, I think, largely to do with the Women's Soccer World Cup.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, it's something to think about with the Storm because they're much better there.
1: Oh, 100%. If, if the Storm had sort of four out of their last six games at home or something, you could probably sort of contemplate bringing in Hughes at the moment. Doesn't play around nineteen either, so it's only this. Like, uh, yeah, I, I re- I've seen a fair few people getting a little bit excited about Hughes because his last month has been decent, but for me, I think he's probably a bit trappish.
0: His last month has been good, but it's it's a strange one too because he's twenty eight. This should be his prime, but he's actually regressed. It's like he he sort of came through late. It hasn't been his best year, has it? No, um, and he's like. <laughs> 2021 was the outlier year, but that was a 73-point average. And then he went down to oh, 69 was, and, and then a And 61. he was still good last year. Yeah. It, it, if this is the start of a regression, it is a bit of a weird one because he should be primed. But it does happen with some guys that when they start to get to sort of 29, edging to 30, then they, they do start to regress um, a lot of the I time. I think he's
1: suffering suffering from a major change in that forward. pack. people underestimate how much of a loss the Bromwich brothers and Kapusi was from that
0: Storm Pack. Yeah. I think he had a pretty good relationship with some of them as well, which can help too. Definitely, Meany is a vice captain in this one. You know how confident are your Tigers at home? Do you think that you know someone like Mooney can go big enough? Do you think if the Storm get over the top, or you're pretty confident the Tigers are going to keep them at bay a little bit?
1: Uh, I don't think Mooney goes big enough, does he? To be a VC, he just keeps punching out 80s, good scores. So I, I'd be more inclined to VC Buller over Mooney in that game, even if the Tigers get beat.
0: Yeah, I would too. Um, the storm uh, travelling with their stars out um, could be an interesting one for the Tigers to try and spring a bit of an upset. I think so. I don't know which way this game will go.
1: Even though the Tiger, oh, the Tigers halves, if you've
0: seen that, Stafford Tower at five eight, wake him at halfback. Yeah, maybe not an upset. <laughs> <laughs> So so I played a
1: lot of fullback in his junior years. So he's got some ball-playing skills. But, you know, I was, the Tigers' pack still pretty much intact, as far from Stefano. So.
0: Bellamy needs to think a bit outside the square with his coaching here because they've got a marble stadium. You know, they need the seagulls. They're going to have to start to bring a couple of cases of seagulls everywhere. And if they start using them, I reckon, you know, it'll feel like Amy Park a bit more.
1: It's one thing about Melbourne that always surprises me, the amount of seagulls that are in the city <laughs> when you're not close to the beach. Mate, no one wants to go to the beach. <laughs> Even the seagulls leave it in Victoria. <laughs> that's how bad Melbourne beaches are.
0: Great cafes and pasta in Italian, though, right? So don't, Melbournians, don't, don't tell me that I was oh, getting it wrong. Out. I love Melbourne. Yeah, I, love, it I too. love Melbourne. All right. The Sharks and Bulldogs, the last game. Uh, right. Again, we just go straight to it. Sharky's Hines. You have to buy him. If you don't own Nico Hines, buy him. If you're not going to captain him, captain him. But that's honestly, that's my take on Hines. I'm calling. I don't think we need to talk any further. on He's we? going 100 plus. Okay. It is going to be 100 plus versus dogs, getting shunned from origin, playing at points, but seeing him at Cronulla. It is going to be 100 plus. It has it written all over the wall that it could be a 180 point game. You cannot miss it as the last game of the round. Use your VC to stuff around and have a bit of fun with players you like. Put your C on Nico Hines. Oh, I can't see it not being 100.
1: Sharks putting in their worst effort on the given last week. They've got a point to prove. Not only Nico, Nico getting dropped out of the origin side will have his own points to prove. Playing a dog side that's been mediocre. You've just got
0: to. Absolutely have to do it. It's um and it's uh, I'm I'm a bit annoyed that it's so easy though, for teams to get him back in. Like I had the shits already that teams could go. Cleary to him already, which happened already. Cleary getting injured, Moses getting
1: selected for Roger Moons, everyone's going to have horns. You've just got to jump on the bandwagon and go with it and then hope you've got the right pods.
0: Yep. Well, speaking about some of the other guys, uh, Nakora's gotten bought by a, a lot more teams now. Uh, he hasn't gone great the last few weeks. He's actually on a bit of a try scoring drought, which you'd think against the dog's edge. It really could end this week, and that's one of the reasons why I like him over Bateman. I, I think that he can find a try this week Easier than what Bateman can. He's averaged 61.7 for the season per so. He's down to 664000 But one of the things with him is that he, he became a little bit of a popular buy, but he's still only in 14% of teams. And that's a really good place to be. Like, guys that have gone this good, you don't get a pod status at this point. But 14%, it's only 4% over what you consider a pod. So he's in a pretty good area for a buyer this week against the Dogs. And I do think it's a really good matchup for the Sharkies. So... Uh, as far as the guns go behind Hines, uh, he's the guy that I like the most to put in your second row forward, but obviously it means sacrificing a Bateman or something like that if you're looking at buying them potentially because of that round seventeen too, when he's gonna be off.
1: Yeah, it depends where you're at. Like if you're still held for fooder, I probably wouldn't drop it for fooder to him. But if you've got the coin in the bank and you're sort of looking to upgrade someone that's been sitting there for a while. Uh, he's been consistent all year in the this year. He's been the second best, second row forward behind for feeder for most of the season. But Hopkins actually just jumped ahead of him by like half a point or something. So it comes down to what you've got. Would you, would you take Cora over Madison? I'd probably take Madison over the to be honest, at the moment.
0: i got Madison over him. Um, I, one of the things that the has done really well is that he's, he's gotten his floor up. So if he has bad games, he's scoring 50s. His base has gone up massively. That's a, He's always been
1: good at attacking, but he was sort of more like that, what we're talking about Ola Kalata, wasn't he? Where he's sort of that lower base. But he had a bad week without getting a line break or a try, and he's still sort of in his 50s. 55 last winning, week in so. that
0: smashing, and that included a sin bin as well. So he would have been 65. That would have been a 65. Yeah,
1: no. I had him and the horse sin bin last week, killed me. I'm still whinging about 1547. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hasn't
0: scored since round seven, too, Persa. So Britain's due. Britain is due. He scored nah, four out of his first six games due. and hasn't scored since. So he is due a try against the dogs. Great. But look past that. Got the buy in round 17. Then round 18 onwards. Dragons, Tigers, Warriors, Manly. Now, I know teams like the Warriors deserve respect, but if you want a month of footy that you're going to build, that's pretty much it aside from the Titans, isn't it? So it looks pretty good.
1: It's a tasty draw. And the Sharks already showed that earlier in the season that they can have a high-scoring game against the Warriors.
0: Yeah, last week's hiding is probably one of the best things that happened for Supercoach owners because, you know, it might mean that the teams maybe stay away a little bit or a bit more cautious in Supercoach to get some of their Sharks in, you think? Uh,
1: Possibly. Not a hell of a lot of options, really. I mean, Hines, obviously, is just a no-brainer. Everyone that's a head-to-head coach should probably have the Cora. But for whatever reason, if you don't already have him and you can't get both him and Madison, then you'd go Madison first. Will Kennedy's a bit of a sneaky.
0: He was next on the list, so why don't you talk about him? So, I mean, Will Kennedy is someone who, again, like a gag, is just never going to get the respect that he deserves. Yeah, 685,000, 124 BE is a bit annoying, but he's averaged 71 for the year. Going off 23 last week, but if you throw that out, he hasn't scored below 60 since round seven. And really, 69% of his games, including last week, have been 60-plus. He's got the scores in him. He's a little bit Dylan Edwards-like, except different. You know, he doesn't go go that many 100-pluses, but it's because of his attack.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Points-wise, same, but totally different player. Edwards is all base and Kennedy's no base, but they sort of seem to be punching out the same sort of scores.
0: I still can't get around Will Kennedy, but the Sharks draw is really good. You know, can you get around getting him as, a, as an Uber port over the more fancied guys?
1: Like, the thing is, people are still hanging on to one of Turbo, Teddy and Mitchell, I suppose, in one spot. So you couldn't get a Kennedy
0: over a Guffo, could you? No. And I think that's what that's what kills him. Like I think he deserves to be owned. It's just you, you can't fit Buller, him. Like, Bull, Buller's what... probably gone past him now, hasn't he? Yeah.
1: You'd probably go Buller before you went Kennedy. You definitely go to drink water in Edwards before you went Kennedy, I suppose. If you were Kennedy, would be that sneaky pick if you you were looking for a second sort of player over the next month, and you already had, say, Gutha, and say Gutha and a Kennedy combo or something like that might work. But
0: I tell you, a surprising Kennedy stat for you—he's only point one percent less owned than what Ronnie Militello is. Ben Enger, six point nine percent versus seven percent for Militello. How is was so low?
1: This is one of those <laughs>
0: weeks where we can get that up, per se.
1: <laughs> hey, I didn't look at that.
0: Yeah, it's... That's,
1: uh, um, that's quite amazing, to be honest.
0: Three years from Like People said, oh, I loved owning him in 2022, but I, I'm not sure I can get around him this year. He's averaging five points more. He's 66 points a game versus 61 last year. He's four points behind, four-point average behind, can he? If you, only t- if you take out his first game... He's not gone below 50 all year. Yeah, it's it's been crazy how consistent he's been. I think some teams, rightly so, that bought him last year a bit scarred because he started well, went okay in the middle, and then the final third on the run home, he only averaged 52 points a game. And I think teams are a bit scared of that. But the Sharks' draw is probably too good for that to reoccur. Um, he is scoring... Doubles and still not hitting a 100 plus. He still hasn't hit 100 plus this year. His three doubles have brought him in 96, 82 and 97. But he scored almost every week. So, I mean... Ninth,
1: ninth highest averaging centre wing for the year, I suppose. Centre wing's just gone nuts this year. So He's ninth, I suppose. So Maybe that's why the ownership's a bit low. But at the moment, with the buys and the draw...
0: Surely you're gonna be looking at him. Big look. The next five weeks of football is really good for Militalo. Um I, I think that you'll score five or six tries in the next five weeks. Oh the Sharks old back end draw is yep. ridiculously fine. Quite weeks. a few home games sprinkled in there in opportune times. Um if you're looking at the end, like playing Canberra at home in the final round is pretty good. But, you know, the last month they start off in round twenty four with the Gold Coast at home and that's that's a massive game for them. So you talk about the next five weeks, but they've got some other big ones sprinkled in too. So I, I couldn't talk anyone out of Militalo this week and for the season. And I do think that he's in, into a double try scoring mood this week and he's looking at sort of that 90 plus type of range again.
1: Yeah. I definitely go Militalo over Romano or someone like that this week for people that might be tossing up that sort of choice. Especially if
0: you're low on trades, because you don't want to keep Manu for the year. Um, Militalo, you definitely can. Um, but... I'll throw out my pod that I chose because I couldn't afford Militarlo a few weeks ago, and that was Katoa. Eight points on the weekend. Outstanding, mate. Thank you very much for your 80 minutes of service. (laughs) Your namesake, Katoa, got an eye laceration in like the 12th minute and outscored him. (laughs) That's how good he went.
1: It wasn't a good weekend for the Polynesian Smiths, was it?
0: (sighs) But uh, like I said, you know, if you can put that out of your head, which nobody's going to. He's only 488,000. His break even is only 85, which is pretty crazy considering he only scored eight points on the weekend. But the week before, he did 67 without a try. Um, And he does have these games where when he does score a try, like round 11 versus Manly, he scored this try where he got like four tackle breaks in the one line break. And, you know, it was like a 45-point run. He just, he has that in him. And that was a one-try game that he scored 88 points in. Problem is he just hasn't been getting enough tries lately. Um, And some of the tries um, before that were from kicks. Um, I do see that changing against the Bulldogs this week. I couldn't possibly tell anyone to buy him, but it's sort of like one of those Tupo ones, isn't it? He's got a lower four than Tupo, but he's probably got a higher propensity to get tries in the next five weeks, especially where he can get some value for his 488000 price tag. It's just, he's just shown too little a flaw for me to look there. But look, 47 points a game is his average in 2023 per. So the three weeks before it was, the three years before it was 60, 58, and 59. He's been solid as a bank for between 58 and 60. And every year to get there, he goes on these shit runs and then has to go on a run of average of 70 plus. So, you know, it's there's enough data there to say he's going to average 70 plus maybe from this point onwards.
1: Quite possibly. That's the the, the balls to of the wall pod, isn't it? Banking yeah, the or, just,
0: or, or just or just no money and no one will give me a loan pod. You know, like it's just four <laughs> <laughs> hundred eighty eight thousand. It's all I can do. It's all I can do.
1: Well, that's it. If you you can't, look, he falls in the same category as Sevo, doesn't he? And he's a lot cheaper.
0: Yeah, he does. He just doesn't get the, the bulk of the tries. That's for Ronnie. So that's probably the big key difference. But he's like a, a light the so, uh, Katoa
1: spent a bit of time on that left edge too when he was going well. Then he went, switched to the right and Ronnie went to the left. So I, I do think the left shark, the left edge is better for wingers. The right
0: edge is better for um, back rowers. I agree. Couldn't go there, but I've gone there. So let's cross our fingers. Um, <laughs> Bulldogs, few options there. Not a lot of options, is it? Yeah, really? it's it's hard. Like When you're looking at their their top two guys that are guns, uh, I own
1: Burton. He's starting to go on that bit of a run at the moment, isn't he, Burdo?
0: Oh, I've really liked owning him, per se. Like the, first, the first few weeks, it was like, oh, jeez. Well, the first couple of weeks, really. It was only the first two weeks. It was like, oh, I'm a bit worried about this now. It wasn't Like I've said plenty of times, it wasn't worth me trading him. And I've just kept him. And he's now got a three-round average of 84 and a five-round average of 81, and he's actually been going really well. Like since round eight, he's only got one bad game and it was a 39. I think the goal kicking, you know, really gave him a good floor.
1: He did this last year as well, started off really slow and then finished with a flurry. And that's why he sort of sucked in a lot of people at the start of the year
0: because
1: mm. he had a great post origin average. And I can see no reason why he's not going to continue to score pretty well, actually, from here on out. I
0: think he's been getting better week by week. And, you know, at the moment, um, I can see him doing pretty well right now as someone who's very low-owned and his half-back 5'8 dual, which I find really handy because, you know, if he wasn't on the buy next week, I could actually sell Moses and just put him in half-back. But, I'd, I'd take Burton over Hughes. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I like that a lot better too, that goal-kicking four. Uh, really helps him. He hasn't got a 100-plus score yet this year, and he'll probably get one. He doesn't have those massive ones in him. I will say the last time he played the Sharks in round eight, the Sharks were traveling a hell of a lot better, and he scored 78 points in that game still. He seems to just get to the 70s every week. It doesn't matter who he plays.
1: From that point, 78, 39, 79, 76, 96, 64, 91. It's as consistent as it gets, isn't it, without being having an explosive score. But look, as a second 5-8... You do a lot worse than Birdo.
0: Yeah, know. and I like the flexibility. Around you know, twenty-three buys a bit annoying, but the last month he's a massive hand grenade. And no one's going to own him, and he's got Newcastle Raiders, Manly, and the Titans. Nothing to play for. And Kickout's going to come back soon. That's the other thing as well.
1: That'll massively help him with attack. No disrespect to um, the guys have been spilling in on Kickout's edge, but Kickout's probably one of the best left edge whole running forwards in the court.
0: Yeah, and all of a sudden you have say Dylan Brown is ruled out for the year. You know, it's a possible outcome. If that happens, obviously it's Munster, and then you can pick whoever. Like Matt Burton can easily be your second ticks and also provide the dual cover if we have multiple halfbacks go down with injuries. You know, it's you could do worse. The problem is that it's seven hundred thousand. That's a big kicker. You know, six hundred thousand is fine, but he's made like a hundred grand on his over a hundred grand on his starting price tag—that's the big problem for him now with that price.
1: If he was still holding on to Dylan Brown, it's an easy trade, though.
0: That's true as well, yeah. And you free up over a hundred thousand
1: because Brown was at least well, what eight hundred grand or something. So, I honestly, my gut feel is you won't see much more of Brown this season. These things just tend to drag I, on. I
0: think so as well.
1: I'm not going to I'm not going to speculate either way of how the result will go, but I just have it'll just drag yeah. on. I think.
0: Preston's the other guy uh, I've held on to, which is great. He is now scoring 62 points a game. He went 90 on the weekend. Yep. And having a look at his last five, he's averaged 70 points a game where he's got 86, 50, 62, 60, and 90. And he looks so much more comfortable. And he's such a footballer, Preston. Oh, a 58 raw base on the weekend is an edge. And you know, three weeks ago, it was 60 raw base on the edge. He's raw base of 48 for the year.
1: Well, like I told you the other day, I went to that Roosters game at Gosselin the other week, and he actually defends in the middle more because they've been so light on numbers. Like He, he swaps into the middle a fair bit and defends, which helps his points and then runs on the edge. He, he's just such a footballer. He's only going to get better and better. Um, if you held him, like he's one of the ones I wish I did hold and not sell, but I
0: did sell. I couldn't buy him back. Yeah, he's just out of that price range, isn't he? If he was 500 yeah. instead of 600... I think it'd be a lot easier, and you could just have him as a rotation for the run home.
1: That's why his base is so high as an edge forward, because he, he spends a lot of time defending in the middle because they've had so many guys out.
0: Yeah.
1: He just gets in there and gets amongst everything. He's just a weapon.
0: He's looked pretty close to scoring tries the last month, and hasn't got any. So, I, you know, that is something where he can do it, and I think we could get some more of that in the second half of the season. But, yeah. I... Oh, he's
1: a, he's a great line runner. He's definitely got more... There's a lot of upside to Preston. I could see him being a staple in everyone's side in
0: coming years. Yep, same. Um, a guy that's still pod territory is uh, Jacob Caraz, who got popular, got hurt, and now just hasn't... Hasn't looked the same. Hasn't since. looked the same, but he's only 480,000. So, I mean, look, if you if you look at a guy like Sioni Katawa, Daniel Tubo, Carraz is definitely the better pick um, because he's shown as a youngster. Even on the weekend with a 52. Yeah, a 52, they had 32 raw base. Like, he, he's um, basically, you know, prime Daniel Tupo, but Daniel Tupo is well past that. So, I mean, if you're going to look at Daniel Tupo, I do think that Carras is, is the pick that you should be making. The problem is, and what what would put me into a Tupo and what might do it for me, is that I can't have another bull, another player in round 17 that's off. And that's a big drawback for him. Uh, Oh, uh, the
1: dogs really don't go right that often either. Yep. Whereas like Tupo on that left edge is always a target for a try with the high ball kicking and stuff. So Karaz doesn't get a lot of tries on that right edge. He's got a massive work rate, but the dogs really, their attack on that right edge isn't as potent as it is through the middle
0: and the left. Well, 11 games that he's played so far and only three of them that he's actually scored in. Admittedly, one of them, you know, was a small minute cameo before his injury. But, no yeah. yeah, He got a double in
1: one of those games too, didn't he? Yeah, three games he scored in,
0: one double and two singles. So,
1: yeah. It's... They really just don't go down that sword.
0: No. So, uh, he could have a big finish. The, the dog's draw is not fantastic. Um, and that's probably the problem until the last, you know, five games, which includes a bye um, before the last month of football. So, yeah, you could do worse, though. Like, again, you know, if you're looking at cheap options, I'd certainly buy him over some of the other cheap centre wings and just leave him in there because you know that you're going to get you know, mid-40s to, to early-50s type of score. Oh, he, yeah,
1: he's not going to dish you out I an mean, A9, is he? Unless he gets knocked out.
0: That takes away the AE problem as well. Um, but look, the the trap for this one, we've got Burns in at minus 20 break even. Um, and a few people might go, oh, 500k, who would I get? who has got a negative break-even. Oh, Burns has got one of the best break-evens this round. He's only there for Adokar and then he's going to disappear. Um, might even get hurt mid-game this one anyway, the way he goes. So, yeah. <laughs> cannot stay on the field, the poor bloke, can he? They get caught up in that one. Honestly, Perso, I can't see anything but a Sharks carve-up to finish up this round.
1: Oh, I think they'll annihilate him, to be honest. Um, yeah, I just expect a massive bounce back this week for the
0: Sharkies. Well, if you think they're gonna go thirteen plus, you get a dollar eighty eight on pickle bet for that one. And I reckon that's That's pretty good odds. That's pretty big odds. Um and that's a pretty big podcast. So I think we'll wrap it up right there. Perso, huge buy round this week. Thanks for jumping on, mate, and good luck with it. We'll get you on again soon as always. No worries, Burns. We
1: always send a rabbit on a bit with those buy round ones, don't we? But um there's a lot of information to decipher, so hopefully the um listeners get something out of it.
0: Very important, and even more so now that you've got the follow-on and the, the next round after it, where you've got the three teams off as well. It's um, it's it's a real period, isn't it? It's not no longer just a one week. You have got to worry about. You have got to worry about two or three. I don't really think anyone else covers it to that extreme either. So hopefully
1: people get a, bit, a fair bit out of it.
0: Hopefully, um, and hopefully teams go well this week. But you know, if you want to download, um, stream. Make sure you do it on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, but we are everywhere. You can grab us on Twitter as well. Go give us a follow, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. We mentioned our great partner, Picklebet.
1: That Picklebet this week, the, the All Stars one, I reckon that's definitely worth a sneaky uh, redback on that, the, the three try scorers. Oh, yeah. Triple wingers.
0: Go turn your red back into a green one, mate. It's, uh, it's going to come through. I love that one. Uh, affiliate referral code all-stars just all one word when you sign up they'll know that you're one of our listeners and they'll take great care of you but good luck in the buy round. uh enjoy the footy good luck with origin next week whether you're new south wales or queensland we'll have the podcast out as normal probably right before kickoff just about if you want to listen to it while you're watching the blues and the maroons but as always enjoy thanks very much for listening and we'll chat again real soon hey now you're an all-star get your game on go play hey now you're a rock star get the show
1: on get and all that matters is, is going. Only shooting stars break them.